Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast. This is a big one, Dave. Episode 300. 300 times you crazy people have tuned in to the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Friendly reminder, as always, Saturday, road game. That means we will be at the Holy Grail. Tony Pike and I will have the pregame show from the Grail right around 1130. Kickoff at noon as the Bearcats take on Tulane. So mark your calendars, get there a little early, get a table, and uh, watch the Bearcats with the legend Tony Pike and myself at our great partners down at the banks, the Holy Grail. Let's get this show rolling. We have a couple guests, a couple special guests today. A little later, Wes Miller, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team, will uh, pop in and join us for episode 300. But as Wes likes to tease me now, and I'm sure he will when we get him on, he took this job thinking he was coaching at a basketball school. And uh, little did he know, the football team was going to be number two in the country. So we got we to talk a little football here. Wes, Wes has been giving me a hard time that I have to, to call Luke and clear if I'm allowed to come watch basketball practice or not uh, based on Luke's schedule. So I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll give me a hard time on that. But let's get started with the football talk. Tuesday at practice, not only have we seen a crazy number of NFL scouts at, at every practice dating all the way back to the start of training camp uh, at Camp Higher Ground, We've also seen a large number of national media uh, making their way through Cincinnati, getting a look at the program um, and writing about Luke Fickle and, and what his team is doing. That continued this Tuesday with Ralph Russo, the AP college football writer. And uh, Ralph has been kind of the, the lead guy in the college football beat for a long time for the AP. And I wanted to get his thoughts. And uh, so here we are. And thanks for joining us, Ralph. You made it safely. Back to New York, you were in Cincinnati, you headed up to Columbus, you made it safe return back to New York. It is great to have you on the show. Oh, let me just uh, give you one quick correction. I'm actually still in Columbus. Oh, you're in Columbus. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I thought you might be back home. No, no, no. I'm staying here. That's a nice uh, hotel you've got it wherever you're no, at. It, it, it's somebody's home. It's, okay. I am staying, right. staying with a family member. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. I, you know, as um, you know, I, I came, you know, my, I did this trip to Ohio and it was only fair to see the best team in Ohio first. So I went down That's to Cincinnati. <laughs> and then after I was done, I came and visited with the Buckeyes. And, and I, you know, since they're home this weekend, I will cover the Ohio State Penn State game. But, you know, you got to go in order, right? Number two team gets my first attention. So I went down to Cincinnati and then I come to Columbus to see the second best team in the state. I mean, you work for the AP, so that's mandated. Like that's that's you know that's mandatory. The AP says Cincinnati's number two. You got to go to Cincinnati first. <laughs> it was fun. It was it was fun to you know. It's funny. I've been covering college football for a long time. I had never been in Nipper. I have never covered a game at Nipper. Uh, so that was the, the the closest I've ever been. To, I think I've covered a Cincinnati game maybe when they were playing on the road once or twice, but. Um, but yeah, that's the first time I sort of was in the in the belly of the beast that is uh, that is uh, Clifton, right? <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of Nippert? Pretty cool place, isn't it? It is. It looks great. I mean, it, it always looks kind of, especially now that they've done a lot of work on it. I know it's an old stadium, right? But it yeah. actually does. It doesn't look old anymore. Uh, I love the fact that it's just open, you know, and and people sort of come in and out of it. Like after we, I was done with interviews and I left the building. 
uh, was heading back to Columbus, um, there were people playing ball on the field, right? There were people throwing around a football, uh, which you're not going to find necessarily Notre Dame Stadium, right? So I kind of right. like the idea that it's open, it's a public space, and people can come in and enjoy it, right? I mean, I know that maybe makes it feel a little less like, oh, well, that we don't do that here at Ohio State. But like, I think it's cool that that's part of the neighborhood. It's part of the charm of, of being, of having this monster program now in a place in this urban campus, right? So uh, we'll, we'll get right to the heart of the matter. You've watched a lot of football teams practice over the years. You, you've been around uh, a lot of the, you know, the big time teams and programs. When you watch Cincinnati, does this look how everybody else looks? Because that's, I think that's kind of been the thing that's been the, the most difficult for the country to grasp is that this isn't a gimmick. This isn't, you know, a bunch of small, fast guys. Like this, this is a, a team built from the inside out. And I, I'm curious your, the way it looked to you. Yeah. So, so they definitely got a lot of dudes. I was texting with a couple of guys I know who sort of do the scouty thing and, um, you know, about Sanders uh, and not just like the guys who are the Gardner Sanders, like, Oh, this guy might be a first round draft pick. It's you can find dudes at other positions like that. Like I think we were talking about um, uh, Leonard Taylor, right? Yeah. Like, and he's not like a big part of the offense, right? He's not a huge uh, contributor, but you look at him and you think, oh, that guy, that's a pretty good, impressive looking player. And Wiley and Beaver, like they just have a lot of guys who definitely look twitchy and athletic and like, yeah, this kid's probably going to play in the NFL. Um, but I will say this, like the one thing that you, that does stand out when you sort of say like, what's the difference between not Cincinnati and like the mid-tier power five team, but the teams that they're going to be compared yeah. with, right? The bulk, they, they are not really huge. And many of you, many, many of the guys aren't huge. Like that's the one thing you'll see when you, when you do, when you are around the Ohio States and the Alabamas, it's size and depth of size like it's not just okay like Cincinnati's got a big offensive line but Alabama's got two big offensive lines right right, and right. so so that's the one place when you start looking at them there's just there's a there's they're not as bulky just eye test wise as some of the other elite teams but I don't think it's a matter of like oh that that means they can't compete I think that's something that they would probably need to work around but listen that went what was the case with Georgia last year and they worked around it and they almost beat Georgia like Georgia's got one of those massive teams and they almost beat Georgia but you see again you see a lot of really good athletes out there I mean Sanders is the one guy who always sort of catches my attention because he just looks so unpleasant to block like even within practice like you find like I, I watched a couple there was a couple of plays where they were you're trying to double team him and he's sort of slithering through the double team and you're just like, that guy just is really, really a handful. So, that, yeah, I mean, you know, the impressions, the eye test is they have a lot of really good athletes. They look like a top tier team. Dave. Hi, Dave, by the way. Hi. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank happy you. Three, happy 300. Same to you. Thanks for joining us, Ralph, on this momentous occasion. Yeah. And let me say that I'm super honored that this uh, that I am part of this this uh, this milestone show. That's really nice of you to, to, to invite me on for this one. 
as the, I guess, I don't know what the, what's the official title as with your role as with the AP poll itself? Oh, so, so I am the national college football writer for the Associated Press. My relationship to the poll is as such. Uh, AP uh, coordinates, um, I can't remember like the right, right word here, but coordinates probably a good way to describe it, the poll, right? We administer, that's the right word. We administer the right. poll. So we We're, pick the voters and we count up the votes, but I don't vote. Um, make that very clear to people, like save your complaints. I don't vote. Or you feel free to give me your complaints, but understand that I don't vote. <laughs> we pick the voters. We count the votes. Um, I write a story every week about the poll. I, I, I tend to look at the poll, I think, the way a fan and a reporter looks at it. Like, there'll be times where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with this. And this team should be higher. So I kind of look, try to look at the poll somewhat critically. But I also have a sympathetic eye towards or sympathetic ear and eye for the voters because I know they have a tough job. Were you surprised coming off of a less than dominant performance against Navy that UC stayed at number two and objectively, you know, be completely transparent, honest from what you've watched. Do you think that is a fair rating a little too high? Where, where would you have them, you know, from just from your personal perspective? Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I was a little surprised, but if you if you sort of look at the way the rest of the poll laid out, right, um, Kansas, Oklahoma had a bad game, had struggled with Kansas, probably struggled more with Kansas than than Cincinnati did with Navy. If you watch both of those games, sure, I watched yeah. a lot of both of them. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, Cincinnati was sort of in control and the game got weird at the end, whereas Oklahoma was playing sort of comeback mode for a lot of the game. Um you have Tennessee, uh, Alabama blowing out Tennessee, but in a game that was kind of close for a little while, and then and then Tennessee runs away at the end. Oh, excuse me, Alabama runs right. away at the end, and Al Ohio State puts a beat down on an Indiana team that was missing two corners. So it didn't surprise me after last week that in a weekend where like nobody really asserted themselves behind right. Cincinnati that Cincinnati would stay put. So that's like just the micro on last sure. week. The bigger picture on like sort of like where I think they should be. So I always talk about it this way. The poll is more of a reward. It's mm. more of a backward looking measurement uh, about what you have done than it is more of a forward looking metric, like an FPI or right. Like I like a lot of the, 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 uh, the numbers, you know, I'm a numbers guy. So I like the ESPN FPI and SP plus and all these metrics that come out. Like I love to consume them. I don't take them for gospel, but I love to consume them. Those are forward looking metrics. Those are more of like, okay, if you had to bet on these two teams and put a line, here's a way of sort of digging in. I think the poll is more of a, a reward for what you have done. So I'm cool with, with Cincinnati as an undefeated team with a top 10, with a victory over Notre Dame at number, uh, at number two. Now, I will also say this, Alabama's got some tough games still left. Ohio State's got three tough games in the Big Ten still left. As those teams start to accumulate games against better team, better competition left within their conference, I assume at some point Cincinnati's probably going to get jumped if those teams do, you know, complete the deal. 
if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State, if Ohio State beats Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, if Alabama knocks off, you know, who, who do they have coming up? Arkansas, Auburn. Like, I, I could see those teams jumping Cincinnati, and I don't know if that would be unfair. I guess it's just a matter of, you know, how soon and how and, and when, you know, Cincinnati's got the SMU game coming up and that'll help them. But I think for now, I'm, I'm pretty cool with uh, Cincinnati at number two, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a good reward for what they've done so far. If you're Cincinnati, that's the scary part, though, right? Is It's not just any teams behind you. It is three of the four usual suspects in this entire process. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. They've been in the playoff more often than not. You're not trying to hold off somebody that's a surprise. You're trying to hold off the usual suspects. Yeah, the, the biggest, the bluest of blue bloods. And, and so we'll cut right to the chase, right? Because the, the AP poll is nice. Uh, but I am, I very much understand that the AP poll is not relevant when it comes to the college. It's, it kind of gives us a, a perspective. I think that the AP poll has some relevance within the grand scheme of college football. But like, again, let's cut right to the chase. The college football playoff rankings come out Tuesday. The, the AP poll always historically treats the group of five teams better than the playoff rankings. I've done the math on this. I don't have it in front of me, but it's usually two to three spots. Generally speaking, you'll see at least two to three spots. Like the highest ranked group of five team will always be about two to three spots higher in the AP than with the playoff committee. Um, So what does that mean for next week? Well, you know, Cincinnati got treated with a lot of respect last year. I, I assume that even if, on Sunday after this weekend's games are played, Cincinnati is, you know, top five-ish. Maybe they are still number two. Maybe they fall a spot because Ohio State beats the hell out of Penn State or something like that. I, I assume that the that the Bearcats ranking in the AP poll won't be as high as it is in the won't will be better than it is in the college football playoff rankings. Now, what what will that be? I don't know. Somebody asked me today, somebody from UC texted me today because they know like, I, I follow this closely. And I, where do you think you'll be ranked? UC will be ranked. My guess is six or seven. Now, Chad's eyes just got as big as dish. I'm, I'm thinking four, maybe five, but six okay. or seven. If, if, here's my thing on that, Ralph. If they put them at six or seven, the backlash is going to be monumental for putting the number two team in both polls, six or seven. Okay, here we go. So uh, don't look at the CFP, especially the first one. I know that. I think they can give themselves a pass. Even if they plan on putting UC at six or seven, eventually you put them at four and you don't take the heat right off the gate. I don't know if they're they're that worried about that, but but I always put say this with the early playoff rankings. Don't look at them like a thermometer. Look at it like a barometer. I don't necessarily care where I, where I am with the, the the number says. I care what is around me, right? So if I'm let's just say there's seven, and if and seven would put them behind Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and again we're assuming no upsets this weekend. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, the winner of the Michigan Michigan State game, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, right? So that's six teams ahead of them. Now. That sounds bad, but Georgia and Alabama have to play each other. 
If Georgia wins, get rid of Alabama. Ohio State and the winner of Michigan, Michigan State have to play each other. So there's a good chance we could get rid of one of those teams after they lose. Now, again, this is not great news for Cincinnati, but I'm, I'm thinking this realistically that like you're, you're already have two teams ahead of you that could eliminate one, two of each other. Right. Um, Oregon has been super, like, hasn't looked super great, right? They have a whole bunch of games that they can lose. Oklahoma has three games against ranked teams still ahead of them. So if I'm, if, if that thing comes out on Tuesday and Cincinnati is six or seven, what I would say Bearcat fans is take a breath. <laughs> I think Good luck with that. I think you're in better shape than that number suggests. I think that I think what lies ahead of you in that poll has a chance to work itself out in a way that is beneficial. Real quick, Dave, one more. And uh, I, I've got one for him before we let him go. That's fine. I'm good. On, on Twitter, you like to do the one has to go. Yeah. What, what is your favorite way that UC gets shafted out of the playoff? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so I would say the thing that will be a problem, there, there are two big problems, I think, for UC. Alabama beating Georgia in the, in the SEC championship game. Absolutely. Because those those two SEC teams are going to be in. I think Oregon being undefeated, or undefeated from here on out, winning right. it. Oregon sitting at twelve and one, Ohio State sitting at twelve and one. That's a problem, because there's no way you can't put both of those teams in. It's just going to be impossible to separate Ohio State from Oregon, because you you can say well. You know, well, we can't really keep if, if we're going to put Ohio State and we have to put Oregon in because Oregon beat Ohio State. That's, that's my sneaky thing I'm hoping happens more than not more than UC making it. But I actually want them to put Ohio State, Oregon to go win, win out, Ohio State win out. And then Ohio State makes it over Oregon. And then we can just go, I guess, wins and losses just don't matter. But that's the thing. Like, I don't think it would be Ohio State making it over Oregon. I think Ohio State would drag Oregon into the field. I'm saying, it. like, but if there was a way, like, say Alabama won. Yeah. No, I, and, I think. And, o- and Oklahoma went undefeated. Yeah. Some Someone's not. I, I don't see an undefeated Oklahoma being left out. So then it's kind of down to, like, the Ohio State or Oregon thing. Yeah. And I, just for my sadistic way that, like, because I want the playoff to expand as quickly as possible. and. Yeah. And if we got to that point, it's like, well, then what does it matter if a team beat another team on their home field? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I I think the I think the encouraging thing here is I and maybe I'm being too optimistic. I think that. I think that if you have an 11 and if you have an Oklahoma with one loss, I think Cincinnati could get in over that team. I would hope so. That, just no, I know you would that, hope so, but that's oh, not well, the way it's worked. Right, right? But just from the way Oklahoma's looked in all their other games, yeah. plus that one loss. I don't mm-hmm. know, I guess Chad and I, like, we, and none of us really thought that they should be in the playoff last year, but when it came down to it, it didn't seem that they even were, like, given much consideration and kept getting jumped by two-loss Iowa State and three-loss Florida. It's, it's hard for me to imagine that this year it's all of a sudden going to, going to change and and they're going to be given quote unquote the respect that 
being the only team in the country to not lose a regular season game since 2019 would get if they weren't in the G5. Yeah, I, I do think, I think, listen, I think there's a, a good potential for some more losses down the road here. And I think that helps. Again, There's it's been a volatile season. I look at Oregon, I look at Oklahoma, I see teams that will lose games. I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, if Oklahoma if makes it through Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State, then I don't really, and they go undefeated, I don't have a problem because those are their three hardest games of the year. Yeah. And I do think that there's a scenario here where, you know, if, if, you know, again, you guys got to be Notre Dame fans, but you know that if Notre Dame is sitting at 10 and two, 11 and one, I think there's a scenario here. If you can get, um, uh, I was talking about this the other day, if you can get SMU in the regular season as like about a 10 and two team and you hand them a loss, but then in the AAC championship game, you get Houston, Sitting right. there at about ten and two with a, I think you need. I think it's better to, to instead of playing SMU twice to play SMU and Houston and have them both as ten win teams. So now you're sitting there with a resume of oh, we got a ten win Notre Dame, we got a ten win SMU, we got a ten win Houston. So I, I think that the, the there there is a possibility that Cincinnati going undefeated gets in over a one loss Power Five champion. Which is that one loss power five champion? The Big 12 team, which of course is super interesting because then you have outgoing Big 12 right. coming in coming. And the idea that like Bob Bowlesby is actually rooting for Cincinnati, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But real quick before we let you go, um, football aside, what you saw on the field aside, what was the experience getting to be around Luke Fickle's program for the first time? And and the access that they give and, and the way that they handle things. Like, I'm just curious your final takeaways. Well, so quickly, I mean, the simple fact that you get to watch football practice, that's become so uncommon around the country. These coaches are so like, uh, so paranoid. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, Fickle's always been pretty easy to deal with. It, it's not like I'm close with Luke, but like I've dealt with him before and he is a, uh, a an accommodating uh, kind of uh, head coach. Um uh, the kids are the kids. The players are are are. You can tell they're kind of. It's a, it's a fun group that seems to be into it, right? I got to talk to guys like uh, Joel DeBlanco, who was like a fun guy to talk to. Um, uh, Kobe Bryant is an interesting player to talk to. Uh, Curtis Brooks was like a man, not of many words, but like good words, you know, <laughs> like he had right. a couple of like great. Had a couple of great one-liners that made my story, and I just thought like. I was what 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 I ended up writing about and hopefully we'll publish tomorrow morning is just the way they embrace sort of the imperfections. Right. Like they sort of understand that, like, you know, they don't have everything that Ohio State has. Right. They 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 practice in a bubble that has some uh, duct tape holding it together in places. And, um, you know, the, again, it's this urban campus with like a, you know, they, you know, they talk, you know, you guys know, they talk about Clifton style, but they embrace that as their, as their identity. Like we're a little edgy, we're a little tough, you know, we're gritty, like the city that we play in. And I just thought that that was like, I know you guys know that story, but I think for a, a more national audience, that was a fun story to tell how they sort of embrace the fact that they're overlooked, under-recruited, um, they don't have all the fancy bells and whistles around their program, but they're here to be blue collar like their city. And I thought that that was a cool, I thought, I really thought that that was a cool vibe around the team. And they practice in a bubble that smells like a New York city camp. 
And the, and the bubble does smell a little bit like a cab. I've been in a lot of New York City cabs. The bubble did smell a little bit like a cab. <laughs> Absolutely awesome, Ralph. Thank you. At Ralph D. Russo, AP. You can find him on Twitter. Story should publish tomorrow morning. We'll get, get it retweeted out to Bearcat fans. It was awesome to get to meet you the other day. And thank you for coming on and being on our 300th episode of the show. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ralph. You can just hit leave and you're good yeah, to go. Yeah, see you, boys. I appreciate the time. Thank All you. right. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate it, man. Very cool to get that perspective, Dave. Always great good. to get. You know, we, we, we seem to be like uh, really – we used to get, you know, no, no disrespect to any old guests, but like we kind of stepped up the guest game. You know, in the last <laughs> month or two. I mean, it helps when you've got a really good football team. People are more willing to talk to you, I guess. But well, uh, that, they come to campus. So, I, like, you meet them. You watch practice with them for a day. And somewhere in that time, you go, hey, uh, what are you doing Thursday night? <laughs> yeah. Come on the podcast? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been awesome. So, here's the other funny story about that. Um, he's like, oh, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? I'll follow you. And I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> bearcat journal bearcat journal it's probably best to follow dave like it, it, you know you don't you don't want to get involved in my you my don't need, nonsense, you don't my, need my, digging my... into my tweets <laughs> you, i'm not going to subject you to my insanity no so uh just go ahead and follow dave at bearcat journal no. <laughs> he's like i appreciate the honesty i'm like look you gotta know your scouting report yeah. Got to know your own scouting report. All right. We're going to have last year in about 18 minutes. Um, do we want to try to squeeze all this in in 18 minutes or do you want to recap Navy, talk to Wes, and then maybe look ahead to I mean, we could do it however you want. We'll just go and right. see what just happens. Just go. All right. I, I don't I just don't want to rush, try to like rush everything in 18 no, minutes. And it's fine. I can star stuff and we can come back to it. It's no big deal. Um, all right. I mean, my Navy. Navy's, Navy's like, UC didn't play good. Navy did some good things. Like, they were up 27 to 10. You know, you guys talked about it. It's been talked about. A couple. You got to finish from there. A couple third, a couple second and shorts became third and shorts, and, and they've, they've just got to convert those. I mean, I know, you know, you and I talked, you know, as we do. Um, and while I understand that sometimes you will get looks that you were not prepared for that the other team didn't show at all. I get part of that, but part of my pushback is, so you're telling me that like there was no, no other things that could have happened. I just didn't love the, the, the plan offensively. And I know if they come out in four down linemen and two safeties, it changes things. But like, if they come out in four down linemen and two safeties, that's six guys. If they have two linebackers, that's eight. Or if they have one, like, I just felt like where we had advantages skill position-wise, athletically, we did not do a very good job of taking advantage of those. Um, I agree to an extent, but the, I think like, the problem like there second is. And two, second and two, third and two. We're just slamming the ball up the middle. And I know that can be our bread and butter, but like they were bailing on the outside. Like there were no screen, like no quick five yard hitches. There were no Trey Tucker. Like I don't understand what coming down in four down lineman has to do with running Trey jet sweeps to Trey Tucker. Yeah. I and think maybe, the other problem I'm, there maybe being. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Like I could be totally well, wrong. I, 
And Coach Zamrock can, can I, tell me can, this is exactly why we didn't. Can I talk for a damn second? You've had you talked Monday night. I, I think, well, I'm responding to what you're saying. <laughs> I think part of the problem there is you only got nine possessions. And you for didn't. Sure. I mean, you didn't do yeah. enough. There were, there were four or five of them. You didn't do enough to really get the offense started. And then the other ones, you had the quick score to Wiley. You had the quick score on the Ford touchdown. Um, there, there was never really in, any, like, I think there's one, like, long, drawn-out drive. Yeah. So I just and, don't think there was ever any rhythm that got into that no, game. No, there definitely wasn't. And, and, you know, aside from the, the penalties, I just – the offensive line, I'm not going to call out guys specifically, just didn't have a very good game. Whether it was run blocking, whether it was pressure, like, it just wasn't their best effort. Um, and I don't think that's being unfair. And I think they watched the film and, and felt the exact same way. You know, I just – just watching it in real time. Obviously, I didn't go back and rewatch it because I don't know why. Oof, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just felt like there were some there was some stuff that we had done in previous games that we didn't see any of. That I'm not to my you know novice untrained eye. I wasn't sure four down versus three down. Matter. I just think it wasn't enough plays to get everything going like you would want it to. I think no. is what I would look at it and say. I know, but I think I would agree. But then I think when you know that, you should be quicker to, you know, maybe jump those things to the front of your call sheet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't just, think you're wrong there. Like, I just didn't, like, you know, we have big advantages with our skill on the outside. And I just felt Jerome's touchdown run aside, we just ran the ball right up the middle, like the entire game. And for and they run blitzed every potential Chuck run. Did not down. get any carries. For Trey did not get any, you know, fly sweeps, jets, whatever you want to call them. And you know, they were playing zone coverage, bail technique, being smart, saying if you want to go 14 plays, go 14 plays. But like we're not throwing quick passes to Tyler Scott, Alec Pierce, Michael Young, like get the five yards, like just get five yards Yeah. on two of those drives, especially the one where we started, started basically at midfield. at midfield and got eight yards to Tyler Scott on the first play. Like just keep throwing. That was a free five release. Y- they they five took the free release the there. Yeah. Five yards at a time. Like. Because yeah. what happens if you're, if you're up, they were up 10 or, or 14 at that point. No, they were up 27 10. I thought that was no, yeah, they because did. they, no, no, no. They, they had, can I talk? God damn it. 27 <laughs> 10. They, they, no, it was right after the field goal because they had the ball at their own six and they went three and out. They punted. Navy came down, got the field goal, made it 27 13. And then they had the kick return to the 50. And then that's when that drive started. It was 27-13. Cincinnati had to punt. Navy had the long drive for a touchdown. There was only two possessions in the fourth quarter. That was yeah, outside four, of like the kneel down. 14 yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah. The two possessions were the first drive was the one that started at six. The second drive was the one that started at yeah. 50. No, for sure. So, so it's 27-13. You can go up 21 in the middle, latter half of the fourth quarter. That game's over. Oh, yeah. That game's over. I guess, you know, and it's just like, 
they had such a hard time against the RPO of Memphis the week before. So you know yeah. they're going to work on that in practice. Yep. But, it, but to me, like, this is what I've always thought. Like, doesn't a little part of you go, well, let's still try to do it to see if they actually fixed it? Because yeah. we because we got really good dudes too, yeah. And like the only, I'm pretty sure the only time we ran it was on the tipped pass that Pierce still ended up catching. Um, right but, where Des Cap and threw it over right. the middle, got tipped at the line. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't like. You know, they didn't play great. Navy did some good things defensively. You know, could have been a little bit better, but I mean, you still. 20 points and and they're doing stuff that they hadn't worked hadn't done all year to try to get you know back into it at the end i don't like i don't take a ton of it from the whole like they've got to blow everybody out thing i i think that is overblown um because if they go if they do what they're supposed to do in all the other games I don't think that only beating, you know, and that's the other funny part about it is like, I put this on the Twitter page, like the split zone duo guys talked about, talk about a lot of the other games on Sunday. And they, they basically just said like, Cincinnati was winning. They were always going to win. They were in control of the game. Things got weird. It's Navy. It's a triple option. Shit happened. Yeah, I think I, I think this is where if people were going to get concerned, it's it's in what you just said. Like Navy in and of itself is going to be excused away, but now you've erased your margin for error because you can't have another one. Not with who's like we talked about with. Oh no, no, I mean Tulane, <laughs> Tulsa, USF, ECU, ECU. I mean, like those are dog babies. Like you've got to roll them like you've been rolling everybody else. Yeah, I mean, you just eliminated that margin for error on but I would, having an oops. Like, I would also kind of expect that to happen, though, because just like, yeah, it's totally different. Like, when when people talk about were opponents going to try to mimic what Navy did, no, they can't. Right. They don't recruit those type of players. They don't have those that type of mindset as a coaching staff. Like, nobody's going to just all of a sudden, like, Tulane, for an example, their defense, we'll get into it after we talk to Wes, their defense is atrocious. And Willie Fritz this week talked about not dumbing it down, but like we need to like pull it in and get really good, try to be really good at a few things. They're not going to just all of a sudden be like, okay, guys, we haven't done this shit ever. But this, is, <laughs> right. this is what Navy did and now, it worked against UC. So now we're going to do it. But I will say what you have to be leery of now is teams saying, you know what? Screw it. We're going deep in our bag. Whatever their bag is, it's not going to be the same bag that Navy has. But that's, that should be the case every week. Yeah. Frankly. But I mean, but, but now it has been exposed that, like, if you can get Cincinnati thinking you're doing something you've never, you know, thinking you're doing what you normally do and you do something you haven't done. Right. But at the same time, like, if you're terrible – that's not gonna last why would right. you think you would all of a sudden be better at something that you hadn't done <laughs> right <laughs> i'm talking more offensively like maybe through 16 times right they could play navy again for the next decade and they might well, not throw they 16 kept, passes they kept, combined they kept leaking that back 
out across the formation. He just never got picked up. Like, right. Three times. Yeah. So, but yeah, like I'm, you know, it's, it is what it is. Everybody has a quote unquote stinker. There's no outside of Georgia. There's no, you know, dominant, dominant, you know, best of the decade. I don't even know if Georgia is. I mean, their offense. Their offense isn't great. It's not, not great. Without their Pickens. defense is just so, so good that it, you know, their offensive line isn't outstanding. Um, right. But what they do. They don't have the deep just, threat they had in the past. They oh, don't yes, have. They do. They have Lad McConkey. Is he better than Pickens? He's not better, but he's their deep threat. And he's actually killing it. Yeah, I'm just saying they don't have like that elite NFL no. type. He might be eventually. No, I mean they've got a really Pickens was going to come into this year as the best wide receiver in college football. Uh, I don't. Pretty damn close. Top three. Top three, maybe. He had almost 200 yards against UC last year. I know. I, there's still wide receivers that I think are better. Okay. <clears throat> I think you just like the art. You're you're argumentative tonight. Drake London out at USC. Nobody yeah, sees, he, he's probably nobody he's sees probably, him because they stink and they're on the West Coast. They throw to him every third, like second or third. I snap. would too. He's awesome. <laughs> and so, somehow, and somehow, Arkansas with how much they want to run the ball, Traylon Burks is a is a first rounder too. Like he's yeah. he's awesome. But yeah, pick London. London, I watched against USC, and they like literally every second or third against, snap. Yeah, against Notre Dame. Yeah, against Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah, like you knew it was going to him. Oh, he's so at, good. At, at some point in time in every set of downs, they were throwing to him. So good. So smooth. Like just awesome, awesome receiver. But I'll give you, I'll give you London. What? Better than Pickens. Oh, yeah. I'll give you him. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot else. Like, Defensively, like you just got to get off the field on third down against. Yeah, them. I mean, like, they, that's what it know, comes down to. It's it's you know that you know the drill, like you know the drill. I didn't think like at the beginning of the game, I thought they did a really crappy job of tackling the fullback. Yeah, on every play, that got better. I mean, they still ran the ball for like two yards a carry. Two point nine yards a carry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like they did not run the ball well. So let's you no. know, let's not act like this was some like defensive breakdowns but, or whatever like but it's navy three yard literally three yards right. in the cloud of that's, dust and that's they what are it is going i mean forward on fourth down if you're gonna get them in third and three third and two you just more times than not you just gotta figure out a way to make that play and then the next play because they're going forward on fourth yeah and we'll get into that which you thought navy went for it a lot of fourth <laughs> down. wait till i tell you two lanes numbers yeah, but it's not the same as no, it's not. But it's just funny, like yeah, how many? Because times? Navy, Navy's right. More often than not, we're gonna get two or three yards. But yeah, I mean, if it's fourth and one or fourth and two, like how many times are you really gonna stop a triple option team from from picking up one or two yards? Right. Not so, very often. Like, Unless like, you try to run it outside on the Cincinnati defense. But like, but like Luke said, he's like, we didn't even give ourselves a chance to stop him on two of them. Right. Because Maje jumped yeah, offside. Yeah, that's just the stuff that, you know, that's just the, the stuff that happens in a bad game. But this team is good enough to still win on their bad game day against right. this type of opponent. Now, a much better opponent, 
who knows, but a much better opponent maybe plays a normal style that isn't that, you know, but. All right. That's enough on Navy. Let's get on to uh, bigger and better things in the moment because it, it has kind of snuck up on me a little bit, but basketball season is here. So we are honored in episode 300 of the Bearcat Journal podcast to be joined by Cincinnati head coach, Wes Miller. Coach, no busy day. Practice got over not too long ago. Got some food in your belly. You're on the couch. Little NBA game on in the background. And uh, I just want to say thank you a million times over for joining us for episode 300. Uh, We are honored to have you. Absolutely honored to be here, Chad. And 300 episodes, that is pretty neat to think that you've done this 300 times. And I imagine you've had a lot of better guests than me, but I'm, I'm honored to be the 300th guest for this special occasion. So thanks for having me as always. We've been on a pretty good run. Like it, it's been pretty wild over the past couple months. We, we were like, do, do we do like an all-star show? And it was like, well, we just had everybody on. The only person we haven't talked to in a little while. And I think you were on what, towards the, the end of the summer, uh, you you made your second appearance. It's now your third appearance. It was like, well, Wes is going to have to be our money guy because it's it's time to start shifting the gears. Cincinnati's a basketball town. Make no mistake about it. But the city is is caught up in number two, and they're caught up in in the excitement around the football program. But make no mistake, that ball tips here in a week and a half, and, and this town will snap back into. Uh, Oh boy, it's time for uh, for a new Bearcat season, real quick. You've been caught up in football too, don't lie. No question, I'm I'm all in and uh, proud. Um, you know, like we're pulling for for Luke and his team uh, as much as anybody. We're their biggest fans. And what's been really neat for me, Chad, is I've been able to you know be at all the home games. I was I traveled to the Notre Dame game, but to see our fans. And to see their passion and to see the way they support the football team, that's been really neat and, and just kind of reiterated to me one of the reasons that I wanted to be here and be the head coach of, of UC basketball is because we're somewhere where people really care. And it's really, it's really neat to see the way people are behind uh, our football team right now. You can't mention names, but how exciting has that been to, to bring recruits into that environment and to, to have recruits kind of experience like this is how much this place cares about athletics. It's been impactful. Um, it's been very impactful. And like I've said this from the day that I got here, what, what our football team has going on is really special. Uh, we have to tap into that. Um, like I, I went to, I think their last practice of the spring, I, I had a chance to catch the last hour or so of that practice and just the energy uh, the belief, the togetherness, like you can feel it when you're around their team. Um, and that's, those are things that I value and things that I want our program and our team to be about. So instantly, you know, you're getting here and you're going, man, we got to kind of tap into that energy. And then to see the way, like you said, the, the way that the institution and the community and the fan base has gotten behind our football program. Like it, it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's, Helpful for us in so many ways. I, I think, you know, we we can build off of the things they're doing, whether it's with recruiting or 
uh, whether it's it's our guys having a great college experience, you know, having pride. There's so many ways that it impacts us, and we've already seen that here in the first you know, six, seven months I've been on the job. Let's get to, to the here and now. Um, we've talked about this in the other two times I've had you on, uh, but this is now eye of the storm. The season's about to start. You've been through, what, a, about a month of practice uh, since the official start of practice back at the end of September. Um, how difficult has going from a 10-year situation where you've built it and you've maintained it and you've sustained it to essentially starting over, uh, how many challenges is that, has that presented and how do you think you guys are handling it so far? Well, new challenges, you know, I, I, every basketball season, you know, it's like, what is like 357 division one basketball programs. They're all yeah. challenges. I mean, they all are, you know, you talk to your buddies and everybody's dealing with challenges and at Greensboro, you know, every year we had a lot of significant challenges, um, but the challenges here at UC over the last six, six, seven months have just been different challenges uh, and, and nothing negative. I mean, if anything, Chad, I've just been really energized. Like this, this transition has really energized me. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, but, you, you, you know, you asked a question about challenges. Listen, transitioning and then the newness of that transition, that's been a challenge. Getting to know Cincinnati, an area that I haven't spent any time before I took the job and getting to know who's who and what's what, you know, that's been a challenge. Uh, you know, trying to blend a roster together that was pieced together over a 30-day period in May you know, that's been a challenge, um, you know, trying to to teach everybody in our program, except for the three guys that, that played for me last year, you know, what we value, what we're about every day, what we do defensively, what we do offensively, to try to teach everybody that from scratch, that's been a challenge. But all those things haven't been negative. They've been energizing. They're fun challenges. A, a lot of this stuff is the stuff that I really enjoy about coaching, which is teaching or getting to know young people, or I'm a people person. So I've enjoyed getting around this community and getting to know the people on campus in the community. So they've been challenges, but they've been fun and energizing. Um, and, and we haven't accomplished them yet. We haven't accomplished a whole lot yet. So there's still challenges and there's still things we're dealing with day to day, but not in a negative way at all. How has it been handling the emotional ups and downs of? not having any games to kind of fall back on in terms of a good day or a bad day. Like you have, you know, maybe a practice isn't at the, the perfection level you want it one day and you come home and you're depressed. And then the next day the, the, they, they step it up and it's really good. And now you're feeling really good about the team, but you don't have a baseline for like, okay, this is what we look like in games. So we have no clue yet what we look like when, the, when it counts. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a whack job, you know, like if we have a good practice, <laughs> I'm on top of the world for the rest of that day. You know, I'm always, when I wake up the next day, it's only about getting better that day. But if we have a great practice in terms of our approach and work ethic and that type of thing, oh, I'm, I'm happy as can be. And then if we have a bad practice and we haven't had many of those, thankfully, I'm miserable, you know, for the rest of that day. So it is pretty that it is pretty much that simple with me during the season. You know, it, uh, games. Listen, I think 
the hardest part of not playing games or not playing against other people this time of year with this kind of situation, right? Where we're just so new. Yeah. Um, is, is we just, we can only learn so much playing against each other every day. We're going to learn so much when we tip it up against people that have a different jersey on. Um, and, you know, you get the opportunity to do that. I don't, you're not really allowed to talk about the way in which you do it. It's not an exhibition game, this, the scrimmage stuff. Those are um, super secret. We don't talk about those on this podcast. Yeah, so we won't talk about it. But like, <laughs> you get the opportunity to do that a couple of times in the uh, in the preseason, and you learn a ton. Um, but we're going to learn so much about ourselves over the first two, three, four weeks of, of the season because we're going to learn a lot when we start playing games. So I think that's the part of games. Of course, I, guys I like winning as much as anybody you've probably ever met, and I hate losing as much as anybody you've ever met. So certainly you get on that roller coaster to a certain degree uh, when you start playing. But the thing about coaching, I, I love the game because you get a chance to learn more about your team and then actually come back to work and try to address the things that you need to address. David? You guys put together a little road trip over to Indiana, and I just kind of wanted to ask, with so many new pieces coming together, how is – team chemistry how do you feel everybody is meshing together you know describe the things you've done to to integrate everybody together as quickly as possible and how they've all kind of taken to that the guys have been great david i, I you know they've been great uh, they've been great in terms of uh their their approach and their work ethic their attitudes i mean honestly from we started practicing in the summer in June we, we had them for eight weeks they went home and we had you know three or four weeks here in the fall and then we've been practicing the last three or four weeks every single day that we're kind of in season and I man that they've been their attitude has improved every week their approach has been really consistent in terms of wanting to come in and work they're listening and they're trying to do the things that we're asking every day so from that standpoint I mean some days I, I I get home and I go, are they still going to be like this in February? Because this has been fun. I mean, that part's been fun, right? I, I hope it can if it continues, I know we're going to be a good team. Um, their attitude towards each other has been pretty neat. I mean, we don't have a, a selfish guy on our entire roster. Uh, we have guys that want to be good and, and want to have success, and that's a great quality, but we don't have anybody that's just thinking about themselves uh, it's been neat to watch them get to know each other better. Like you mentioned our trip to Indianapolis, you know, it was good just to get away for a couple of days. I, by the way, I have no idea why we went to Indianapolis. I mean, I, we we're just looking on the, on the map. What's a place that's a city. We could stay in a nice hotel, find somewhere else to practice and just get out of Cincinnati with its driving distance and in the Indies two hours away. So that kind of made some sense, um, which is why we went there. But it, it was a chance for us to be around each other for a couple of days at every meal to do some things outside of basketball, but also to kind of hunker down and really focus in on basketball. But it was neat to see guys start to get to know each other better and for me to get to know guys in a different light as well. So, I mean, all the, the team development stuff, that's been great. Their approach has been great. Watching them interact with each other has been great. But I, I say that because they deserve the credit but we haven't had any real adversity yet, you know, and, and I think the real test of this group is going to be when 
you know, things don't go well and we have some negative moments, how are we going to respond? And, um, you know, regardless of what happens, I think that's how we'll get closer together. And that that's how we'll become a better team when we experience some really difficult stuff, which happens every year in every college basketball season. So I don't know how it's coming, but it's coming in some degree. Looking at your roster, um, it's huge, uh, especially, I mean, you've got half of your, your scholarship players basically that are six, seven and up uh, three of them, six, 10 and up. Uh, is this as big a team as you've had? And is this something I know this is North Carolina playing two bigs, uh, especially under Roy was kind of the norm, but it didn't seem like that was really kind of your forte at, at Greensboro. Um, do you sometimes look and go, how am I going to get all these guys on the floor? Cause I think they all in some way, shape or form can help us. Well, Chad, and you, you are on it as much as anybody I know, but you're wrong about this. It was, that was how we played at Greensboro until last year. Um, okay. You know, the, so for the last, you know, six, seven years at Greensboro, we, we played for the most part and we've always structured our offense in a way that we can put multiple different lineups on the court and do that seamlessly. So if we want to play small, we can, if we want to play big, we can. Uh, but at Greensboro, until last season, we were playing with two, you know, true forwards, I would say. You know, now we we liked versatility and length, but two guys. That's a little that different than having three, six, ten plus centers, right? True, true, true. I, I knew you'd come back at me, which is why I love you. <laughs> but, um, but, no, I mean, we were trying to play with real size. And, and you know, we're a lot of people now in college basketball – the guy they play at the traditional power forward slot is like a guard, right, or a big yeah. wing. Um, we were trying to play with two forwards, so that part is not, you know, far, you know, far off from where we've been. Uh, but you're right, playing with with two traditional low post guys at six eleven, we haven't done that, and we'll try to do that some this year. I mean, uh, I, I think we've talked a lot about lineups. We learn a lot more about our team each week, and we're going to learn a lot more over the next week before the Evansville game. But we're going to have lineups where we play, you know, with Jeremiah as our, you know, uh, he's a perimeter player, but we're playing small with him in that four position or, or Jared Hensley in that four position. We're going to have lineups where we're really big, where we have a seven footer and Hayden Cobal at that four position. So I, I think we do have some versatility and how much we do of either or will, will you know, be determined by how much success we have over a real period of time when we start playing games. And it's going to take some time to figure out which lineups are, are best. That's for sure. Dave? What are a couple questions you have just about the team in general that you're most excited to find answers to once games get started? You know, I, I, I really – I'm really curious to see how we can defend uh, against somebody else. You know, like that's the hardest part to me about the preseason is you're defending yourself every day. And, you know, guys know what – you know, they, they play the play. They know what actions they're guarding because they're guarding the plays they run on offense, right? And certainly we do some things where they got to guard different stuff. But for the most part, you're just defending yourself. You're defending – the, the guy that you practiced against every day or you played pickup with in the summer. So it's really, I'm really curious to see how we're going to defend against other people that play different styles. 
I'm really curious to see how we can defend and what, what I was just talking about with different combinations on the floor. Can we defend when we're really big? You know, because like, like you guys just talked about or Chad just talked about, we have the ability to put, you know, a three, a three, four, five on the floor. And I mean that in the traditional sense, not that these guys are traditional three, four, fives, but we can put, you know, three guys on the floor in the front court that are six, seven, you know, six, 10 plus, six, 10 plus. Can we do that, defend and cover the perimeter with that kind of size, and then also utilize that size to be physical and, and, and punish the glass and, and do some things around the basket. Cause if you can do that, that's pretty fun. If you can't, then you can't play that way. So I'm really excited just to try those things and get out on the floor and see what we can do. But there, there's a number of things. I, I think when you're starting out and there's so many things that are unknown, I, I'm excited to, I'll, I'll learn more in our first, you know, two, three games than I probably learned in three weeks of preseason practice uh, as we get out and start playing. You got something else? Oh, yeah, I got plenty. <laughs> what? If things are clicking the way you want them to click, you know, maybe not the first month, maybe not the first year, but what does, what does a great Wes Miller game look like to the fans? Like, if you, you're done with the game, you sit down with Dan, and you start doing the post game, and you're just like, that was what I want to see. What does it look like? I don't think I've ever coached a win. I said that, but if if uh, if if I ever understanding that there's there's variances, but if I sat down with Dan Horde and said that's the game I wanted to see, we probably won by seventy (laughs) five. You know, every player scored double figures. We had you know sixty assists, and we won the rebounding. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you know, there's as a coach, you know, you're always trying to figure out how you can get better and. You know, I, one of my, you know, my college coaches just say this to us all the time. He say it. My, my dream is to coach the perfect game. And I'm going to always be trying to coach the perfect game and have my team play the perfect game. And until that happens, I'm going to keep trying. And I, I think what he was trying to say was, you know, we're never going to be, we're never going to play perfect and I'm never going to coach perfect. We're going to keep trying every day. So I'm, I'm just kind of picking apart your question. I think what you're asking is like, what is it? What is a, a team? that I'm coaching look like uh, if we're playing at a high level. Right. And I, I, you know, I think number one, we're defending at a really high level. And that means we're extending our defense on made baskets and dead balls. Right. We're, we're picking up full court, man. We're picking up three quarter court with some of our zone pressure. We're making it very difficult on the other team to just get into their actions and play comfortable basketball we're making it very difficult for them to reverse the ball. Uh, if, if they do happen to drive it downhill, and let's hope, let's hope that doesn't happen often, we do have presence that come over and make shots difficult and, you know, make plays on the ball and block shots and get deflections, and that those things lead to opportunities to run out and play with athleticism and, and, and make plays in the open floor and get dunks and layups and fouls, and, you know, inside-out threes, and then just absolutely beat the backboards up on the offensive board. So even when you miss, if you took a good shot, you got a really good chance to get it. And I'd love us to be rebounding 40, 45% of our misses at, at some point. Um, and then just doing that over and over and over again. And I say this all the time. We, we, 
we want to play a style of basketball that, you know, as you get into the second half, you look down and, and teams just kind of tap out and just say, I don't, I don't want any more, you know, and, uh, and that, that's what we're working for. You know, will we play that way against Evansville? I'm, I'm not saying that we got a lot of work to do, but that is what we're working for. And uh, we'll keep working for it till we get there. And I, and I think this, this team's got a chance to execute that style of play, but we, we still have quite a bit of work to do. Is Victor Lockett maybe the most unique situation you've you've ever encountered in that you get here, he's a returning guy, but he's a returning guy that has no U.S. high school experience. He has no – he never did a live practice in his first season here. Uh, and I think the day you got here, he went back to Russia, right? I met with him the day that I got and then, to camp. Yeah. And the following and he day left. he flew home. Yeah. And and, um, and now all of a sudden you get him on the floor and he looks pretty good. And you're like, well, nobody knew because nobody had seen him yet for, for 18 months or 16 months or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I again, you, you, listen, guys, I'm, I'm giving y'all a hard time. Like I, I understand your question. Um, the most unique, I, don't, I mean, gosh, coaching is unique. There's never, and you could ask any coach this, and I think they'd agree. There's no such thing as a normal day in coaching. Like, there's no normal day. Of course. Like, it's, it's, what a great profession. Like, you are never bored. Okay. Like, there's but, all kinds of surprises every day. Uh, Vic Locken. I saw Vic play uh, in, when he was playing for the under-18. For FIBA, yeah. I saw him play for the under-18 Russian national team in Volos, Greece two, three summers, gosh, summers are running together. The summer before COVID, the summer before COVID. Yeah, 2019. That's right. 2019 in Volos, Greece, I saw him play two games. That's a rough trip to have to, coaching trip to have to take, go to Greece for a couple weeks. Volos is not Santorini, Chad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's fine, but like, it's not like, we're not talking about, you know, Mykonos or Santorini here. I don't want people, people to get a, uh, like misinterpret like what I was doing. <laughs> um, but, but it was, it's fine. So uh, ironically, uh, it's a pretty cool story. Sean Dwyer, who was an assistant here at the time, him and I were staying in the same hotel uh, with another friend of mine, one of my best friends in, my, in the world, a guy named Pete Hutchins, who was an assistant at George Mason at the time. He's now actually a head coach of a prep school in Ohio. Uh and like up, up outside of the Cleveland area. Anyway, so Pete and I were trying to figure out how to get to this gym that's like up on this mountain, these like winding roads in Europe. I don't even know how two cars could go past each other. And we're trying to figure out a ride, and we run into Sean Dwyer, and we see he's got the Cincinnati gear on. Hey, you don't by chance like have a car, do you? And that's how we met Sean Dwyer, and he would give us a ride up to the gym to go watch the games in the U18 European Championships. So got to know Sean. We're sitting there watching the Russian national team play against somebody else. And it's like, hey, man, who are you watching? And he points out Vic. And he's, he was really good. Like, I, like honestly, like I remember looking at him and saying, man, he's really good. That'd be a great get. You know, he, he's, he's got a chance to play professionally and play in the EuroLeague or play in the NBA or something like that if he keeps developing. So I've had that experience seeing him play. So now to be surprised that he's having success in our practices, 
that would be un, un, you know unfair for me to say I'm shocked or surprised. But when he didn't practice for an entire year or even go through a workout for an entire year due to injury, and I get here and we coach him for a week or two in the summer, and then he has to have another surgery, you know, I am surprised that he's been able to be healthy just because sometimes when, when somebody's going a year and a half without playing basketball due to injury, you start to wonder, can they sustain this level of play? Um, but he has been fantastic. And I hope he, he's fantastic when we start playing games. But he's been fantastic. And we're really excited about the type of player he can be in a Bearcat uniform. Jeremiah Davenport, um, he, he's, he's made outstanding improvements in each of his first two years at Cincinnati. This city means a lot to him. Like, what is the vibe you've gotten from him as kind of, you know, him and him and I guess Micah are your two three-year guys uh, that have been in the pro in the program the longest. How has Jeremiah been, and and how has he taken to, you know, kind of the, his his new surroundings, his new role, uh, how you guys are planning to use him? Like, what's the experience been like with JD? He just plays so hard, Chad. I, like he, you know, like I, I watched a lot of tape and before I got the job and his like passion, his energy, his competitive spirit, it is it like shines through the tape when you were watching games last year. But some guys play with that kind of a motor, but maybe don't practice like that every day. Right. I mean, he, he's like that every day. Like he <laughs> he just plays so hard. He's so competitive. And I, I love guys like that. Like, I just relate to guys like that. So that's been fun. I thought his habits in terms of, like, working on his game and approaching it like a pro because he's got pro aspirations, I thought that they, they needed a little bit of work, and I thought he addressed that this summer. I mean, you look at what he did with his body. His body fat percentage goes down. He gets more explosive. Like, he's gotten really explosive. Um, his, his shooting and his handles gotten tighter. That's because he didn't just practice hard, but he started being more disciplined in how he approaches the game day after day over the course of the summer and the fall here. So I, I've, it's been a joy to coach him. He's an unbelievable kid for anybody that, you know, hasn't had the chance to, to, to interact with him. He's got a great heart. Uh, he's got charisma. Um, and he's, he's a, you know, he's just a type of guy you want to be around. So that's been really fun for me coaching him and seeing him develop and improve this summer and this fall, how we'll use him. We're going to let him be him. I mean, you know, we're going to let him be a mismatch forward. Uh, you know, if he's got smaller guys on him, we're going to let him pull him away, and shoot the ball and attack off the bounce and space. If he's got, uh, I'm sorry, bigger guys on him. If he has smaller guys on him, we're going to post him and, and let him bang. We want him to just relentlessly attack the offensive board. Um, you know, we're, we're going to let him try to get him to run and get easy baskets in transition. We're also going to let him push when he gets defensive rebounds and almost play some point forward type type thing and use his skill. Um, we're going to use him in a lot of ways, but the thing we're going to tap into is his competitive spirit and his motor. And, you know, I think he's developed some leadership type role within this team. And I think, I think that's been good for our group. Here's a question you won't get in the preseason. How much do you love Sam Martin? Love him. I mean, thank you for asking <laughs> it. Like I, 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 uh, I, I need to, I need to make sure he understands and our staff does how much we appreciate him. 
Um, it, it's it's guys like that. And I'll, I'll listen. I started this walk on at North Carolina, so I know what that role is like. But it's guys like that that make a team a team and provide a service every day and a sacrifice every day that's going to help us succeed on the court and won't get the recognition. And that's what being on a team is all about. Sam's tremendous. I mean, he he's he's obviously the son of a coach because he knows how to play. He's in the right spots. He does not care what his role is in practice or on the team. He's just willing to be there and be supportive. He's a great teammate. And, boy, he pushes guys in practice. So he's been a thrill. Thank you for asking. If they were all like Sam Martin, coaching would be really easy. And if I could get Sam Martin to have some of the size, length, and athleticism of some of the other guys on the team, we'd have some NBA players because he has some of the qualities that you just can't you can't teach. He just doesn't have some of the physical qualities of other guys. I'd ask if you're going to try to get him to coach into coaching, but we know he's too smart for that. Lenders honors, like he ain't he ain't that dumb. He is way too intelligent to coach basketball, um, and 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 not just like in book smart, but like emotionally intelligent. Like this, I mean, this. I, I try to talk everybody out of this. I won't have to talk him out of this. He's smarter than that for sure. David, who are a couple guys that would be newcomers that have that are fans haven't seen play for you see yet that you think have taken really good leaps from when you guys started to now just prior to the season starting? You know, in fairness to these guys, they all have. And and I know that's, God, that's such a bad answer if you're doing, you know, you're doing a podcast. Yeah, give give me some information. (laughs) I love all of my players the same. They're all great. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all going to play equal minutes and, you know, like – Five in, five out, like the YMCA. Okay. We're so, going to have no, orange slices after the game. That's right. Half no, time. Um, but but in, in honesty, and not just with the newcomers, I mean, man, like David and Julius has been great. Mike Saunders has been great. You know, Micah Adams-Woods, like, had a tooth issue and missed – he had to get a tooth pulled and missed a week of practice. And it, you know – lost like seven pounds and it took him a little bit, but he's, he's really improved outside of that issue and been great. Uh, like I don't want you start going down the list and you leave somebody out and it doesn't feel fair. So I'm not purposely leaving anybody out, but like, you know, guys have been really good. Uh, man, you know, Hayden Koval missed the first, you know, week, eight, nine days of practice. Cause he sprained an ankle and, he wasn't looking like himself, but he's really kind of gotten back into form over the last week. Uh, Odia Guam has probably taken the biggest jump from the day he got here of the incoming players. And I've really tried to stop thinking about it personally as like returners, incoming guys. Like we, we got to become a team and we got to stop trying to think about it that way. But if, if you're going to make me do that, man, yeah, Odie, Dave. Well, Odie's, I just think like, <laughs> yeah, Dave, come the fans, on. The fans know what somewhat of a level of what expectation for the guys that they've seen play. I mean, some of these, our fans have never seen Odie play a game before, so they don't even know. Yeah, I, I tell you, and it's, it's a week to week thing, right? I mean, they've all been working. I think everybody's improved, but just like you're talking to me tonight, man, Odie's had a great week and a half, you know, and he, he's worked at it all summer 
but over the last week and a half, he's just, he's had a lot of success in our scrimmaging and, and in our practices. And, and so that's been really neat, right. To see it kind of come together for him a little bit. Not without shoot. He's got to keep doing it. Um, but, but they all have John, John Newman has really impressed me. I've known John since, you know, he was shorter than me. He's much taller than me now. Um, although I still think I could post him up, uh, but who's got better hair. Oh my gosh, his hair is way better than mine. I, <laughs> we got a long way to go there, but, uh, but, but John, I've always thought was a really good player. Uh, I tried to recruit him. He's from Greensboro. He had no interest in coming to me out of high school. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I watched him really closely all throughout high school, all throughout his time at Clemson. And offensively, he is so much better than he showed on the court last year, you know, at Clemson. I mean, he's made good plays with the ball. He's been so good cutting off the ball. You know, his defensive uh, ability has been well-documented. I mean, he really does cover a lot of ground and take challenges defensively. He's become a great offensive rebounder from the perimeter. He's really taken steps. But, again, as I, as I – you know, single out one guy and probably leaving out another, and that's not fair. But but John John and, and Odie, you know, have been been pretty good here over the last couple of weeks for sure. What I'll say about John Dave is he's a guy that Cincinnatians will love, and and Odie to a to an extent as well. Like that that's the type of hard work, hustle. You know, get it like just get it done. Whatever it is that needs to get done, get it done. Type of guys. And, and, you know, John's got kind of that big smile and I don't know, a huge personality, but a, a really genuine personality, I think, from being around him. Um, I think he's a guy Cincinnatians are going to are going to definitely relate to uh, because he resembles Bearcats of old. Like he's he's got the toughness. He's got the desire to do what the team needs to get the job done. And that. uh as we know, Dave, that goes over well here. It does. It does. We're, we're, we like the, uh, you know, as the football team says, tough and nasty. We like it in, in all of our uh, sports. That, that, you know, basketball coaches like tough and nasty. At least this one does. So, and, and, and again, we've got a number of guys that embody that, in my opinion, and, and, and approach it that way. But, but Dave, and, I mean, uh, Odie and, and John definitely do. No doubt about that. Uh, I will say uh, Abdul won my heart uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was getting done with something at UC, and I went to get some food after, after practice. There's football something, media or practice something. I went to get food, and I went to my favorite spot, Island Fridays. Uh, and as I'm standing in line, Abdul gets out of his car and comes to pick up an order. And I'm like, all right, this is a guy that that knows like he's already ingratiated himself into the local food scene. I've been telling you to get Island Fridays. Have you gotten Island Fridays yet? No, and I'm not happy about that. I've, I've wanted to go a number of times for dinner, but I've heard it closes. And so I, I got to figure out how to get over there for lunch. But the problem is I'll, I don't want to. I'll come get you lunch one day. But that's the problem. This is my issue is I don't want to eat that heavy a lunch because I got to go coach in the afternoon. And that's, I mean, you're going to eat, it's Jamaican food, right? Yeah, it is. Which Do I you love. Know the, have I told you the backstory? Just pull up a 
TV tray I, on the sideline and eat it um, while you're you know, coaching. Yeah, okay, Dave. No big deal. Right. Man, you know, no, no worries. Let's just uh, – hey, so – The backstory, uh, real quick, on Island Friday. It's a former – Yeah, it's a former Bearcat. Yeah, he used to cook on Friday nights for the team, and they would call it Island Fridays, and then he turned it into a business when he graduated. I love it. I love it. And I will I will definitely be at Island. And I love Jamaican food. I love the patties. I can't remember what they're called. Like the, the, Yeah, just the, the, it's just meat patties. Oh, I love them. It's so good. Yeah. Their jerk chicken's phenomenal. And the secret is when you get the red beans and rice, which they call rice and peas in Jamaica, but there's no peas, it's red beans. You have to ask for you have to ask for the gravy and they take the broth from the oxtail stew and they put it on the rice and peas. And it's it's really good. It's really good. I know you got do you have one more for him, Dave, and then we'll let him go. I got one. I got one more. Do you know what December eleventh is? Oh my gosh. The same thing I've been hearing about every day. Other other than my mom's birthday. So you could give her a really nice birthday present if we can finally beat those sons of bitches from Norwood. (laughs) I'm I'm well aware about December 11th date, guys. I'm well aware. Um, I'm I'm not going to get in trouble tonight. Yes, I'm very well aware of the game. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I just you guys you know, aren't gonna get me in trouble. We're not I, I'm not gonna get you to talk I to did, you before then. So I did learn something though, and I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I, I listen, I moved into town. I'm I'm just trying to learn. Am I Norwood's not in Cincinnati? Like I know it's yes, like, yes, it is. It is it's well, it's its own isn't city. It like it's it's its own city, right? Well, I mean, it's like it's like Clifton, or you know. No, I, no, I, I don't think so. Actually, I like I think it's actually not considered part of the city of Cincinnati. Well, well there are, we, there are we also, don't we don't consider it part of the city. But no, I'm also, serious. I, there are somebody, also UC fans in Norwood that contend that Xavier's not in Norwood. It's it's. <laughs> I don't know that, but I've I've heard now. This could be just. Bearcat fans talk, talking to me on the street, which probably. But I want you guys to look into that. That it All is. Right. I think Norwood's like its own municipality. I will so tell you this: there will be fifty posts in the message board discussing Norwood because of this conversation right now. <laughs> well, I didn't want to start anything. Hey, no, listen, you're fine. We want to. We want to. We we want to kick their tail on December 11th. I mean, is is there anything wrong with that? I mean, I hell no. Listen, of course we do. Of course we do. And they're going to have it. Hey, they have a good team. They're going to be good this year, but we're going to be fired up to play on December 11th. No doubt. We got a lot to work to do between now and then. Well, coach, episode 300, we appreciate you a great deal taking time to uh, to talk to us. I know it is a very busy time for you and you got practice to plan tomorrow and uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff on your plate. So we will let you go, but much appreciated for your time and uh and and good luck and we will see you here in what 10 11 days as the uh the bearcats take on evansville to kick off the regular season looking forward to it guys they still have sleeves on their uniforms i always remember i remember as a kid evansville they wore t-shirt yeah they wore t-shirt uniforms back then i have no idea guys but i uh (laughs) you haven't started watching tape on evansville yet uh, no, but our staff has. And um, thank you for having me on. Congrats on 300 episodes. That's pretty cool stuff. And uh, 
yeah, well, we're going to get back to work. So as much as I enjoy talking to you guys, I'm going to actually start watching practice from today, writing practice for tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Thank you, All Coach. Right. Later. Well, there you go, Dave. People have been asking for a basketball fix. I think we delivered. What better basketball fix than having Wes Miller on? And I appreciate he's continuing in the legacy of Luke Fickle loves to give me a hard time. Yeah. And Wes loves to give me a hard time. And now by proxy, he's also just because, you know, he loves giving me a hard time. He's giving you a hard time as well by proxy. It's fine by me. But now we can go to Luke <laughs> and say, Wes has been on three times. <laughs> Luke's been what? on a lot more than three times. But if you count the. No, not on the BC, not on the BCJ not on, podcast. That's true. That's true. He's, done he's like been the on season a season preview or, you know, the. He has also been generous with his time. Oh, I'm, to Bearcat I, Journal. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying he hasn't, but like, again, talk to what kind of what Ralph said, like what other podcasts are just getting the basketball coach on three times in the first, you know, 10 months he's been here. Well, I mean, it's just like what? Seven months, six, seven months. Yeah. I guess he's been too. great. Like he's been oh, amazing. You could not dream of, having a situation where your basketball coach is willing to come on for a half hour at any point, let alone like 10 40 minutes before the season starts. We got, we got 40 minutes out of them, yeah. you know, a week and a half before the season starts. So uh, kudos to Wes for that. And look, I feel like, bad. Who are we getting next week? Yeah. It's a rough week for them. Whoever like, it is. <laughs> we might have to go. Just me and you next week. Just our, to like our scheduler is really gonna have to, you know, our ta- <laughs> our talent, you know, talent scout is really gonna have to pull out all the stops next. We week. we talked about that with Ralph a little bit, man. Like we talked right after the like the night of the show last week when I like I put in two ninety nine and I was like, oh shit, next week's three hundred. Like we're gonna we're gonna have to swing big, and it's like, well. We've had Cunningham, you know, it's time to probably get West again, but like we've had Pete Thamel, like, you know, we'd like the, the list of people we, we had Jim Nagy last week, which was as good a guest as you can get in the college football space, uh, given where Cincinnati is at right now. Like, I was like, I don't even think like, I don't even want to try to put together like a star studded episode because we've just been doing them every damn week here on this show. What we're trying to say is that we've become pretty awesome at this whole podcasting thing. We have. <laughs> and look, you get 300 tries to work on your craft. You better, you better get pretty good. Or are you just doing it for your own enjoyment? Right, the right. The numbers say people appreciate listening to the BCJ podcast. Well, so I, I appreciate them. Yes. Um. Any other basketball stuff, like since we just got done with Wes before we – I don't want to do football and then have to go back into basketball. No, I mean, I don't – I was at practice like, today. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like – I'm just, you know, as a someone who is, you know, up to their eyes in football, I just – I'm kind of just like, well, just get the games going. Yeah, that's like, the hard – like, Give me a game the, to watch, and then I can, like – because you got – half the team has never played here. The other half is playing for a new coach. So it's like, I don't really know what else to talk about. Just like, give me something, a game. And yes, the sample size will be small, but that's the sample size. And you can start to formulate opinions off of that. 
Yeah, that's been the hardest part about all of this. Because, you know, even, even when the transition from Mick to, to John happened, we knew Jaron, we knew Trey, we knew Keith. Like, you know, we had a pretty long-term understanding of who those guys were, right? And we've seen JD and, and Micah for two years now. But like we're not we're not seeing them going into their senior campaigns or seeing them go into the the end of their careers where they're kind of I'm gonna say a finished product, but but pretty far along in their development. You know what to expect. Um, like yeah, we don't know what to expect at all with this team. Mason's a, a sophomore. Mikey's a sophomore. Uh, you know, like Vic didn't even get a workout in last year. Like the whole thing is like, wow, this is, this is as unknown as we, we get dating back to, you know, Mick's first year, 2006, oh, yeah. 2007 with all the Juco's and, and Deontay Vaughn and, you know, well, yeah, cause com- him, completely starting over, over for over a decade, you had old teams like yeah. Mick, Mick never like out once he got it going. He never had just like a, a total rebuild year. Where yeah, I mean, like, I guess the the biggest was like when SK and and Jack and and Titus graduated, and you kind of turned things over to to Gary. But Gary was a junior, and and or no, yeah, Gary was still, a freshman coming in. But Troy was going like a, right. That was a young team. They had to go. They went heavy on the JUCO route. But that remember. was like, yeah, that was Farad and Deontay or Coriantay. And yeah, and they brought it was still, it was, still a tur- and- it was still a tournament team. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You at least you I, still make- knew like if these new if these few parts fit in, we could have a pretty successful season. Like, I think that was. Gary's I don't think they're year. like I don't think they're going to be terrible this year. I don't know how good they're going to be, but there's like a very wide variance of like what this team I think could do. Yeah. How fast do they come together? I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm planning. And if you, if you want to be a part of it, I'll, I'll make you a part of it. Uh, I know right now your brain is not worth anywhere near basketball, but I think Wednesday of next week, um, I'd like to do a, a, a basketball round table, um, try to get a guest, try to get Berg, uh, Brent and Aaron, if they want to, if they want to hop on, um, I, I don't know if, you know, if you want to come in and antagonize and argue with people or I'll have my assistant check my schedule. Okay. That's good. That's good. And then we'll do our, I want to do that standalone because I, sure, I don't, that's, we would do the same thing for football. Like, I mean, right. it's season season preview, so to speak, it's not, you know, it deserves its own, um, deserves its own place. So next week you're going to get the BBT on Monday. You're going to get pardon the punctuation on Tuesday. You're going to get a basketball preview show on Wednesday, and then you're going to get this deal on Thursday. Like we're getting close to that five days a week. Yeah. We're getting close sounds, to that five sounds, days a week podcast network. Sounds gross. <laughs> Look, it's content. Everybody loves content. There's no such thing as too much content. You know, I'm only looking at it from my standpoint. I know. I am not. You're, look, you don't have to do Monday. You don't have to do Tuesday. I know. Like, you're in your comfort zone. Right. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I think. I like. It, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps and bruises. I think the excitement but it's gonna be exciting. is in the unknown. Right. Now, obviously, if things aren't going great, that's not exciting. But <laughs> fair. 
But the excitement is in a refresh. I'm not going to say a rebranding. But, like, let's be real. Like, the last two years sucked, man. Like, it wasn't a lot of fun. Like, yeah, it was not fun. Like, people can say whatever they want. Like, I didn't like the way the team played. I certainly didn't like the guy in charge of the team. Like, it just wasn't fun. What, taking the wins and losses out of it. Like, they weren't a fun team to, to watch night in and night out. Yeah. And I mean, we talked to the, the Reds a couple of years ago were miserable to watch. The Bengals have been rough to watch. You're a huge Bengals guy. Those teams weren't fun to watch. It sucks. Mo, <laughs> Mo always says this. I want, my, I, want, I want the teams in town to be one of two things. <clears throat> to be good or to be interesting. And it just wasn't interesting the no, past couple of years. Like, and I, you know, I think that is the. Especially last is, year. That is the interesting, exciting part is that we think that they could be pretty good. We, we, Wes seems like a great guy. He still hasn't coached the game for UC. We got to see how that goes. I mean, I think he can do quite well, but you don't know that until you actually have to do it. Right. So. Um, I feel like there should be excitement, but the excitement should be that we have this, you know, vibrant coach. We have this likable, from all accounts, team, and let's just see what happens. Not excitement because we're we know we're going to be good. We because I don't know how anybody could possibly know that. Right. But you know, know what I love? I love how quick he goes from like like getting after the guys kind of like Nick style, Bob Huggins style. And then like one second into that today, he dropped a gosh darn it. And I, I was like, Roy, say, I thought you were going to say dadgummit. It, no, it wasn't a dadgummit. It was close. It was a gosh darn it. And I was like, Roy, <laughs> like you could see the influence kind of working its way back and forth. Like, it, you know, I, I like, I've talked about this. I, I really like watching his practices. I think there's a purpose to everything that they do. Um, I think it's relatable to like the next thing they do. It's like we did this because right, now I'm going to teach you that. We're building. We're not just like running through drills and scrimmaging right. because that's what you do at basketball practice. It's like right. these things are layered and they're building on top of each other for a greater purpose that maybe we realize in February, you know, this is why we were doing these things in October. He also he also accomplishes one of my other pet peeves in in like watching basketball practice is too often it's like uh, it's like robots going through a drill right and it's like okay point guard uh, comes off screen dribbles to point X gets to point X throws pass to point Y yeah pass gets to point Y and moves to point Z and like there's always some of that, but he right. was hammering home today. Like point guard was driving and the defender, because they had done it four or five times in a row was shading to anticipate the next thing. And Wes is like, no, he's shading. You drive and you lay the fucking ball in the basket. Like, yeah. They're don't, like you're saying they're playing the play and not the man. Yeah. Don't be a robot. Like, yeah, we're talking about getting the ball, like, in a real game, 
there's going to be a good opportunity to get the ball here. But if teams have scouted that and picked it up on tape and they're playing for you to get the ball here, they're giving you the rim. Take the layup. Like, I really like that. Guys that coach with that mentality of, look, it's not about, I want you to execute, execute every X and O. Play with feel. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Play with your brain. Like, what would you yeah. do? Not what have, what did we drill? Like, what happens if that play isn't there? Like we've talked about. The big man guarding the guy in the post, like on the, in the, in the, the weak side corner is shading because he knows you're going to pass it to him. Right. Well, if he's shading, he can't block your shot and he can't get over and cut off your drive. Take it to the damn rim and lay it up. And like that kind of stuff I've seen from him a lot in the practices I've been at. And I, I, I just appreciate that as a coaching style of quit being robots. We're not out here just to run point A to point B to point C. We're out here to purposely accomplish putting the ball in the damn basket or stopping the ball from going in the basket. Right. So uh, I'll end the basketball discussion with that. Uh, Tulane, tell me how bad their defense is. That, this means we're going back to football. We're going to do Tulane, and then I don't know how much we'll, else we'll have after that because we've hit on almost everything else. This has yes. been an outstanding 300th episode. Oh, just amazing. <laughs> uh, their defense is real bad. Uh, when I say real bad, I mean real, 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 real bad. They rank in the bottom – 10 to 15 in the country in several defensive categories. But I think the most important aspect of this game is the status of their quarterback, Michael Pratt. He took a hit and subsequent head bouncing last week against SMU that I have... It's hard to remember seeing a dude's head bounce off the field like his did. Like, it was not I, – I totally agreed that it was not targeting. It was the just guy, a monster hit. The guy hit him with his shoulder, and but his – as he was sliding, and I think you can make the argument that he, he slid late, which put the defender in a rough spot. But his head, I mean, it just ricocheted off the turf. And so he is in some level of concussion protocol as of Tuesday. I watched Willie Fritz's, you know – weekly press conference obviously he's he was not forthright which he doesn't have to be with the full information but the way he was talking it it just made it sound like he still had steps to go to get out of concussion protocol and it is hard to imagine him playing saturday Assuming that it took him a day or two to get out of concussion protocol, you know, they are doing it. They would be doing a walkthrough travel day tomorrow. Yeah. So you'd, you'd theoretically, you know, I can't imagine he even practiced today if he had still had steps, plural, but who knows? It just seems unlike. I mean, he's already been dealing with an arm injury. Um, I don't know if that's to his throwing arm or or other arm that I don't think it's kept him out, but he's, he's been beat up this year. Like, um, but the problem is that their backup quarterback tore his labrum about a month ago and he's out too. 
Not good. So, so if he can't play, they will be resorted to a true freshman quarterback, Kai Horton, who has completed one pass to Tulane this year and one pass to SMU. So he's – Is that bad? Uh, well, you usually don't like to have a one-to-one completion to interception ratio. You know, you're, you're, you're usually trying to get like a two to two-and-a-half to one touchdown to interception ratio. So the, the one-to-one completion to interception ratio is not great. So I imagine if he starts, they will be leaning heavily on their run game, which is, I guess, okay. You know, digging in, you kind of have to not really look at any of their passing stats if Pratt's not playing. Because you can't possibly think that. Oh, if, a, if, a freshman, if, if he's not playing, they're going to run. They're going to have right. to try to run the ball a ton. And they're not great at it. I mean, they're 79th in yards per carry, 4.06, 84th in yards per game, just under a buck 50. Um, Cam Carroll, leading rusher, five yards carry, two touchdowns. He is a nice receiver for a running back. He's got 13 catches and two, two receiving touchdowns. They're back up running back, you know, 5.3 yards carry, but just a barely over 200 yards. But offensively, they – and we, we've started – their leading receiver is actually a tight end. 23 catches, 200 – or 350 yards, three touchdowns, Tyreek James. They're second nationally in fourth down attempts with 27 times they've gone forward on fourth down. They've only converted 14. So that's not, that's not great. Uh, it's not terrible. But uh, going for it that many times on fourth down, I think, you know, be prepared to see something similar to last week if the game is, you know, obviously if they're <clears throat> getting blown out or whatever, maybe they don't go for it if it's a, a longer yard situation. But, but really, I would look at this as a get-right game for the UC offense. Their defense, here's who they've, their points that they've given up to FBS teams. So I'm taking out like Lamar or Abilene Christian, someone they played like that. 40 to Oklahoma. <clears throat> Excuse me. 61 to Ole Miss. They had a really good defensive game against UAB, held them to 28. Hot damn. 52 to ECU. 40 to Houston. And 55 to SMU. You got to beat the shit out of these guys. The, the breaks. Beat the breaks off of them. 116th yards per play. Almost six and a half yards per play they're allowed. 128th in total yards allowed. There's 130 FBS teams. 128th in points per game. 42.3. Again, 130 FBS teams. They've allowed 39 touchdowns. That's 124th nationally. Their stop rate is 127th nationally. They're 90th in third down defense, allowing 41.5% third down conversions. So, yeah, their defense. It's not great. It's not they great. live on their they live on their offense, and if they're on their third string quarterback that's thrown 
one complete pass, well, two complete passes. Two. In his two. in his in his short career, that's that's not a good sign if you're if you're rooting for the old Tulane. No. Now Hallow's Eve, New Orleans, like 11 a.m. kick. There ain't gonna be nobody there, man. No, the they're, to say the atmosphere will be. They're one. Uh, they're one in six. Their third string quarterback might be starting. It's the more. It's Halloween night or the eve of whatever the weekend of yeah. Halloween. Who knows when they're doing Halloween there? 11 a.m. It is going to be a ghost town. I like what you did there. I like what you did there. <laughs> Hallow's Eve, a ghost town in New Orleans. Now, the weather is actually going to be pretty good. Well, good. Um, let's see if it, they're, they're talking 62 degrees and sunny at kickoff, 1% chance of rain. Yeah. High of 72. Their offense, even with Pratt, it's not like it's been great. No. Is that are you annoyed with the Tulane thing yet? That every year, like well, no, I'm not annoyed by it. I'm not annoyed by it because I don't know right. I don't know why it's still a thing. Yeah. I think that's fair. I don't know. I don't know why every year someone says that you know Willie Fritz is a great coach and that Tulane is a sleeper. I don't every think year. I don't Tulane think they've won more than six regular season games. Here, I mean, I guess here's the question: When are they going to wake up? Like, if they're a sleeper every year, wake up. <laughs> are they ever going to wake up? Maybe they need to be Hello? kissed. Like, you know. But like yes. offensive, off, offensively, they're 105th in third down conversion. 82nd tackles for loss allowed, 74th sacks allowed. Like they don't have very many good offensive stats. I didn't look at any passing stats because it's practice out. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't. They're not. It's yeah. It's not consequent. It's non consequential. You know, if if you're into the metrics or the analytics, is you know. SP plus UC 13, Tulane 93. Sagarin, UC 6, Tulane 119. ESPN FPI, UC 9th, Tulane 97. ESPN efficiency, which is, I guess, different than FPI and as different than SP plus UC 6, Tulane 107. Like their defense or their offense and defense, 84th and 116th in that efficiency number. Like, all the way around, they are a one in sixteen that has given up a shit ton of points. Any way you cut it, yeah, it ain't good. <laughs> Whatever it is, it ain't good. So, I would. You've been at practice. Obviously, we're not going to give out any <clears throat> secrets, but I think it would probably be fair to assume that. The, uh, you know, reins were tightened a little bit this week. I'm not going to say that Navy was a wake-up call, but, you know, maybe it was, hey, guys, 
when we don't bring the same energy and the same commitment and same concentration, that's what we get. We need to get back to what we were doing against Notre Dame and Temple and UCF. Yeah. And, and I, I fully expect that to happen Saturday. And I think the message is also going to be clear. Like, the more you screw around, like, the, the more you allow some of these teams to hit this, the, the silly stuff. Well, the more you screw around, we've got good guys on the bench. We'll yeah. put them in. Yeah. And guess what? Outside of SMU, those guys are better than anybody Tulane and Tulsa and USF and ECU have. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not taking much of a risk there. Like, I would expect a very strong game from Dez. I would expect a much better <laughs> performance from the offensive line. I mean, the defense is going to be the defense. No matter uh, what. I said this on Twitter, like, if that kid plays, may God have mercy on his soul. Yeah. Like, this is not the game for you to be like, yay, I get to start. <laughs> Come to the game, Mom and Dad. Watch me play and maybe die. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Because, like, how vanilla does your game plan have to be? when you're putting a guy like that in this situation and against this defense, like good luck, right? Like good luck. Like it's not like you can scheme a bunch of stuff to try to beat a really good defense because you've got a quarterback that's never played. Right. Oof. That's a bad, it's a bad spot to be in. An angry, an angry UC team with a quarterback that's never played. Yeah. That ain't great. <laughs> it ain't great. No, it's not. I have oh, my no. score prediction. Do you have yours? I haven't really had time to work out mine yet. We've had a lot going on this week. We 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 found a house, so we're not going to be homeless. That's, That's a plus. Nice. Yeah. Uh, everybody's asking me uh, about how you know can they come help move? Uh, I'm hiring movers, man. Look, we did that when we moved. The last time. Hold on. I'm sorry. I I have to interrupt you. I have to. This this is too good. Okay. And I believe this is... I don't know what I just hit, but can you hear that? No, not really. Okay. Uh, This is not false. Chris Vanini reporting... Sources. Conference USA is done. Is in negotiations with New Mexico State, Liberty, and Yukon. No way. For for football <laughs> for football only. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's outstanding. So you could have UConn 
in Connecticut, uh-huh. Florida, Florida International. Rice, sticky no, rice. No, no, they're in Conference USA. Or they're in the American now. The American, that's right, shit. UTEP and New Mexico State. It is literally Conference USA. Yeah, living up to their name. I respect the hustle. I mean, the oh American Conference. That I'm was like, that I mean, was a self fulfilling prophecy. The American Conference is now spread out all. So UConn is going to leave the American because of bad because it was the Americans' fault that their basketball team wasn't good, and now they're going to put their football team back into a conference with. Middle Tennessee State, UMass, McNeese State. Mc, what? What? Oh no! I'm, yeah, Sam. When did Houston, that happen? Sam Houston State. I apparently know nothing about the current status of Conference USA. Well, I think that's what they're saying. Like Bill Conley is tweeting this, like picture of future Conference USA. Okay. Because even if they add New Mexico State. Liberty and UConn, they only have eight teams. True, they'll have to, yeah. They still need more schools. True. So, he listed McNeese State, New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, Tarleton State, UMass. Cool. UMass. Oh, think about how big of a boon that's going to be for Conference USA. What a recruiting... The UMass UConn recruiting yeah. will just be. Oh, I mean, get out of here, Alabama, Auburn. When you're getting recruited by UMass and UConn, I mean, that how is does a, the kids. How does a kid say no? It's as cutthroat as it gets. I mean, imagine the the extra benefits that will be getting handed out <laughs> to these kids who UMass and UConn are going could possibly. I shouldn't say. Could, will be going after because it's not a thing yet could possibly be going after somebody's going to get an extra pair of like fuzzy socks somebody's going to uh sign a, d- a deal with a toboggan company uh extra basketball tick extra women's yukon basketball tickets. <laughs> meet and greet wow. with gino ariema <laughs> All right, well, back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, yeah, UC's going to beat Tulane 69 to nothing. 69 to nothing. Nice. <laughs> nice. What I was saying before, we did find a house. And no, I'm not interested in you helping us move because I would. I, Good, because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. We, we've done the mover thing when we last moved. And I don't think I could ever not do it again. So... If you uh, if you no, want, if, if you're truly a good friend, you don't ask your friends to help you move because you know right. they don't actually want to help. Right. So if you want to help, Venmo, PayPal, Bearcat Journal, or the GoFundMe is still open. You can help us move by like sending us twenty dollars because I I I, I, like, I order us a pizza. Or something. Yeah, that's a job for <laughs> professionals. That's a job for professionals. It's not a job for like we're not in our like, like that was a job in your twenties where you called your friends and you bought yeah, some pizza and some like beers, a right? Yeah, when you had like a futon and a couch and it's right, right. 
like I got a living room, I got a, a dining room table, we got a couple desks, we got beds, I got a kid, like washer and dryer that has to go from downstairs in this house to downstairs in the new house. I'm not asking people to do that. So the Venmo and the GoFundMe are open, Bearcat Journal. The the or the the Venmo and the PayPal are open, Bearcat Journal. The GoFundMe is still open. If that's if you want to help us move, that's how you can help us move. Because I ain't doing that shit. And two, Kelly's just not healthy enough to like be involved in a move. Like she needs to know. Okay, today you go to your mom's, and the professionals come over and move us to the new house. Yeah, and it's done by like you know this time. And- right. If you want to go to the new house and like point where they should put shit, okay. But other than that, we're not getting a bunch of us fucks together to make the move. No, it's not happening. (laughs) She did. How about this? Like when she did these chemo blasts, like this, I guess almost three weeks ago now, they told us, Dave, it'll, it'll decrease her cancer by 25 to 33%. We got the numbers today. It has decreased the cancer counts by 90%. It seems good. Instead of 33, we're at 90. So I was pretty excited about that. Now, it's not going to stay there because it's it's not designed to, like, get her into remission. It's designed to get her kidneys working again. So once they get her kidneys working again, they can get her into the clinical trial. Like, it's all, you know, a step-by-step process. This wasn't like, let's get her into remission. This was... Let's get our kidneys working. But uh, cutting it to 90%, like cutting it 90%, it was at like 270 something. And now it's at 25. She showed me the numbers today. I was like, the fuck you mean? (laughs) That doesn't match what they told us when this was started at all. Not even a little bit. But so thank you everybody for thinking of us, praying for us. Uh, It's good stuff. We got like three minutes until two hours. Yeah, I wanted to ask you something. I don't care about going over. Um, okay. I do not give one single solitary shit what the college football playoff committee says on Tuesday. Um, um but I, I, I mean, I, I don't, but I do. I guess, I guess here's like, I do. I, I'm, I should be. I said, I thought this earlier today, like. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't care at all, but then at the same time, like, I honestly don't really care. Because we've said it for this entire time, like, this ranking means nothing. Right. Like, you see, when UC goes 13-0 and and everybody else plays their games, and then you tell me what happens, then I will tell you if I'm mad or not. If they're second on Tuesday, or if they're seventh on Tuesday, neither of them mean anything. Yeah. Fair. So I don't care what they say. What would your top five be Tuesday, assuming there's no, like, Penn State doesn't beat Ohio State? like stuff Georgia. Like right. I, I think there's just going to be too much pressure not to have Alabama too. And I don't love it because I I've said it on a couple different I don't think this is Death Star Alabama. Oh, it's definitely like, not. 
like their defense has got some some vulnerabilities. Their offense is good, but it's not. And and this is on a scale compared to last year, where their offense is just disgusting, right? right. Like for sure. <clears throat> offensive line, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, it didn't matter. Quarterback, they were just fucking better than you. It didn't matter. Um, if I had to guess, it's Bama too. I think Cincinnati comes in at three. Okay. I, I, because I, if they're watching and they're paying attention. But we know they're not. So I know they're not. Oklahoma does not look like no. number three. And that's that's what we talked about with Cincinnati. What do we acknowledge with Cincinnati? They can't get away with another game. Oklahoma's gotten away with three of them. Uh, at least five. three. Five. Well, yeah. Have, at least have, three where they, they were like, five, oh, my God. They have five wins of eight points or less. And that's not counting. Three of those games were well, yeah. garbage. Yeah, they beat West Virginia 16-13 that they shouldn't have even won that game. West Virginia's kicker missed a you know, a chip shot field goal. Yeah. And they, they didn't score any points against Kansas in the first half. Right. So I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But I can't imagine Oklahoma being three. Are you going to put Ohio State three with a loss to Oregon? Well, see, you're going you're gonna to then question my rankings. Because this is the problem I, that, you, that you come across. Ohio State hasn't yet beaten any of the relevant teams in the Big Ten. They have not. But the problem becomes, is it best or most deserving? The committee has said their charge is to pick the four best teams. If I am being 100% objective, my top five would be Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, UC, I can't, I can't UC, agree. And then Oklahoma at five. I can't agree with Ohio State. They lost their only, only yes. decent game at home. Well, Alabama it lost to Texas A&M. Terrible. Who is worse than Oregon? I know, but Alabama is Alabama. They get the benefit of the doubt. But Ohio State doesn't. <clears throat> not with, not with what we've seen for like. Why, why is there a benefit of the doubt? Each season is supposed to be in and two of it's itself. Not. We know it's not. If, if each season was an entity on and two of itself, Cincinnati wouldn't be anywhere near where they're at right now. And I don't – and I agree with that. Like, it should be – what you did last year should not matter for this year. You're a totally different team. Until you're not. The Cincinnati team is not a totally different team from a year ago. Correct. It's not. But what you did – should not weigh into it. But that's not what you said. Yes, it is. No, you said that you're that you're a totally different team than what you were a year ago. This is almost identically a, a Cincinnati team that is who they were a year ago because through seven games now, they have answered what we lost. We've right. replaced but at if, a pretty high level. But if we're being objective, like, I, th- I can't put Ohio State at two just because they beat the shit out of Maryland. Oh, Rutgers. it has nothing to do with who they beat. I'm watching the games. That's what they look like. <laughs> Against Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana. Yeah, okay. They were in a, in a one-score game in the fourth quarter with Tulsa. 
It doesn't matter to me. That's like saying the it, basketball. No, you said you watched the games. You said you, you, you watched the Tulsa game, and you think, fuck, Ohio State looks so, awesome today. So the, so the basketball team that loses in. But it happened twice, Dave. No, it did Yes, it, it happened against Oregon. They beat Tulsa by 25 points. It was a one-score game in the middle of the fourth quarter. Tulsa threw a pick six. Like, like that. yes, don't That's, be a prisoner of the moment. And, like, I'm yes, not being so they a prisoner ran away the in the final five minutes of the game. I'm not For being 55 a prisoner. five minutes, they were in a nail-biter with fucking Tulsa. No, they, they won 40 to, 42 to 20. There's no way that they were in a nail-biter with five minutes to go in the game. It was a one-score game in the middle of the fourth quarter. That's contradictory to saying that the basketball team that had a rough patch in February is now a totally different team in March, but they can't get we, back. But we don't know if they're a totally different team because they played three shit teams. I think they are. It's my opinion. Okay. That's fair, but I'm arguing your opinion, which doesn't make any do sense that, right? because it's my opinion. I I have a different opinion. Right. If you have an opinion and I have an opinion, we can argue about whose opinion is right. Yes, we can. Okay. I I don't I I if Ohio State's second, I'm going to lose my shit. Okay, you're going to lose your shit. They're going to you be think second. they're going to be second, okay? Yeah. Okay. Because their loss is to a team that is actually good. Cincinnati has the best win in the country. No, they don't. Texas A&M has the best win in the country. I was at Texas A&M. So, it's, beating Alabama at home is still way better than winning at Notre Dame this year. Cincinnati went to Notre Dame and won. Notre Dame you're, is a top 10 team. You're really going to losses to Cincinnati. You're honestly going to tell me that Texas A&M's no. win against Alabama is not <laughs> But Texas A&M also lost two games. Oh, I'm not, I'm just saying like they have the best win. Of the teams in this conversation, Cincinnati has the best win. True or false? Uh, no, Oregon does. Okay, I'll give you Oregon. <laughs> Cincinnati has the second best win of all the teams in this conversation. Uh, yes, I, I would agree with that part. That has to count. I agree, it does. But see, that's the problem that we come back to is the winning and losing doesn't actually matter. Because it's it like doesn't. it's like the Alabama it thing. Should. How many games would Al- how many regular season games would Alabama have to lose for people to go, they're actually not good this year? The thing is, I test if you watch them, they are still pretty damn good. Oh, they're, they're still not very good. Death like, Star Alabama. Oh, I mean, I watched all, pretty much all of the game last week because they played yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Like, it was a back-and-forth game until the middle of the third quarter, and then Tennessee did some things that Tennessee does because they're not – they don't have the town of Alabama, and Alabama feasted on it. And what I think was, like, 24-17 to 17 became, like, 52-20 to 20 in, like, no time. Like, it was a close game. Like, they were having to earn everything that they got. Like, Saban was furious. But yeah. they, have, they have Bryce Young, and they have Jamison Williams, and they have a good running game. And so they do what Alabama does to lesser teams. But 
but like how many times do you like using them as an example because they lost already and yet they still might be number two like how many times do they have to lose for someone to go yeah i know they're alabama but this just isn't a very good alabama team so like if they if they lost to auburn then we'd all finally go like they're not that good yeah if Ohio State loses to Michigan State. Right. No, I but that's what I'm saying. Like, like every loss should matter. Like you like you should not it should not be like UC should not be penalized more for barely for like beating Navy by seven than Alabama is penalized for losing a fucking game. Davis Bren threw for 428 yards. Against Ohio State. Well, you know who was calling defensive plays then, right? <laughs> close, close family friend, but it has looked a shade different. A shade. I, I also, not against the offense as powerful as Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly not, because the, the Golden Canes can can whip it around. Um, no, you know, like why is so like Alabama losing a game? Does it does not ding them as much potentially as UC winning the game? Like that's the problem I have with the whole thing. It's like, of course, there's a problem with the whole thing. Winning and losing doesn't. That's why I want like we just had a 25 year veteran national college football writer predict that UC was going to open fucking seventh on Tuesday. I can totally see it. I can too. I can totally see it. I think it's if you're the committee and you have a brain, there's no way you bring that level of scrutiny on yourself in week don't one. Think, like as Ralph said, I don't think they care. Maybe, maybe I'm naive to that. Like what? What is the? Here's the thing: is like, what is the recourse? What like, what? What does it matter to them? Well, they're going to get hammered in the national media. So if you see set. If you have the number two team seven, no, I'm just saying, like, so from a personal standpoint, like, if I'm Tyrone Williamson, who's on the committee, because I, people are going to be telling you you're a fucking asshole every day. Where are we? Where is anybody going to find Tyrone Williamson to t- tell him that he's an asshole? In 2021, everywhere. I don't know. I think these dudes are these dudes are these dudes, and I guess could be ladies. I know that Condoleezza Rice was on the committee before. So I don't want to say only dudes, but like they just—they're just going to pick who they want to pick. They're just going to pick who, yeah. who they're you know. I did—I did find it interesting that like RC Slocum was on the committee, but he had to—he had to like come off the committee or something because, which I don't understand why. Actually, Dave, let's 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 let's, let's slow down. I just looked up the box score. With three minutes and eight seconds left, it was Ohio State 27, Tulsa 20. I misremember. I misremember. Plausible deniability. And then Ohio State got a touchdown from C.J. Stroud to Garrett Wilson. It made it 34 to 20. And then Tulsa threw a 61-yard pick six to make it 41 to 20 with a minute 50 left. Three minutes left in the game. It was 27-20 Ohio State. Okay. I was wrong. Okay. 
That's fine. As I, as they're, I, they're a different team now. I, did they make trades? Did they hit the waiver wire? Well, CJ Stroud they, is not injured anymore and playing a lot better. They made a trade in the coaching staff. They did make a trade in the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> Like, part of me is also projecting out. Like, I think they're going to just beat the shit out of Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. And if they do, then, then they're going to no be way. in. Right. They're in. No question. Yeah. There's no argument for me there. I just None. think their, their offense Zip. is just on – their offense is on another level. I, but no. I just don't know that they've played anybody with a pulse to prove that their offense isn't on another level. I don't disagree with that part, but, like, a lot of these guys, minus Stroud, of course, but their offensive line is way better than it was last year. And, and their receivers the, are elite. All elite. the other guys are back. Now, Stroud to Justin Fields, you know, big difference. Freshman like, running back. He's a, he's a bad dude, though. He's a bad dude, but he's a freshman. Uh, but, like, they gave it to Clemson offensively last year. So, like. Not with CJ Stroud. No, but I'm saying. Pretty much everybody else, though, in the offensive line this year is way well, better. Quarterback's pretty fucking important, Dave. It is, but he's playing great right now. Ask Clemson. Ask Clemson how important quarterback is. It's fairly important. They got <laughs> they got issues way way beyond quarterback. But. Well, look at DJ Ukulele. And <laughs> how do you get a backup quarterback whose name is harder to pronounce than his? <laughs> right. Like, are you? Tr- is Dabo just trying to just? Hey, <laughs> hey, what? Who's the hot? Who's what's a quarterback that's got a, a name that no one can pronounce? Let's let's sign him. <laughs> what about undefeated ACC champ Wake Forest? Are they going to come in here and make some noise? That's what. That's actually a fun team. Like their, their offense is like. Oh yeah! If you really interesting. Offense, they run RPO, but they run it like when they snap the ball, they do like the half jogging to the mesh point. So you don't know if they're going to hand it off or if the quarterback's going to keep it. And then the receiver just flies by the DB because he like jogs out on his route. Yeah, I mean, they, had, they played Army 70 to 56. Yeah. A lot of possessions for a, a triple option game. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's what happens when you get stops on third down. But <laughs> no, it's, there's no stops in that game. No, when you stop them on third down, you get to put up fun numbers. Yeah. But Army put up 56 too for a triple option team. That's absurd. Yeah. Well, Wake Forest was scoring like in two plays. Like, it was like 70 yard touchdown, 63 yeah. yard touchdown, 46 yard touchdown, 52 yard touchdown, 80 yard touchdown. That's a that's that's an interesting one. Like they're never going to get the respect because they they, they no, well, started from the too ACC, far back. Well, and the ACC stinks. Like they yeah. don't have any who are they? They don't have any big wins that they can like. And they gonna, this was a year they really needed like North Carolina to fill the void. Well, they play North Carolina, but it's not a conference game. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in terms of like, okay, since having a rare right they down did, year, yeah, they needed to step into that spot. Go they had the Heisman kind of quarterback. Oh, for like, sure. I mean, he's still like you know projected yeah. first round pick and everything. Yeah. 
So like they, the ACC needed somebody to be like, okay, we got this for a year until yeah. Clemson gets their shit together, and they're not getting it. No, but like, just I don't know. Like, we all know. Like, I've I've come into this season not expecting UC to make the playoff. Like, I assumed some shaft job was going. Did to you come into this season expecting at some point in time they were going to be number two in the no. polls? No, but okay. Like I'm not I, look, man. This, I, I'm just saying. I'm not viewing like, this season through the prism of making the playoff or not. Making I'm not the either. But but, well, I, but think, I think a vast majority of our fans are. But the math has changed. They're number two. It still hasn't changed enough to, for me to be like because here, you, here's look, here's why you want to see can, outrage. If they're number two in the AP and coaches poll on Sunday. And they're number six or seven in the in the in the playoff deal. It's going to be almost to the point that the nation is going to hate Cincinnati because of the level of like fuck this. Well, that's great and all, but like the outrage doesn't change anything. It, but it does. Perception, public perception, changes things, Dave. These are humans. They, they not- are humans. Chad, they they had TCU at three and dropped them to six in 2014 because Ohio State, who had, I want to say, two losses, beat the crap out of Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Or 2015, and then Ohio State ended up winning the national championship. But, like, TCU didn't even play a game, and they dropped in three spots. Out of the playoffs. but that was that was that that they were trying to set a tone. They were sending a message to the Big Twelve <coughs> that if you don't play a conference championship game, here's the I middle finger. Think, I just think that we that that the that the idea that they're going to to kneel to pressure because they of- did then because the pressure was if you don't play a conference championship game. You no, should be punished. The, commit- the committee. That was the pressure on the committee. The Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game. The Big 12 champion can't be validated because they didn't play for a championship. That was the pressure on them at the time. That was public perception. Nobody was pissed TCU got left out. Oh, I think there except were TCU of- fans. The Big 12. The Big 12 was pissed. But they said, guess what happened the next year? Yeah, then they got a conference championship game. That's not Message pressure on the received. pressure on them. Right. The committee does not give one single shit if me and you and a bunch of UC fans. I'm talking national media. Doesn't matter. This them. will does be ESPN lead story. Oh, number two, Cincinnati. ESPN ranked. is the anybody but Cincinnati channel, man. Come on. I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that. The shills are the shills. The Big Ten people are taking shots at Cincinnati. The SEC people are taking shots at Cincinnati because that Cincinnati might put us in a situation where we only get one. So the two biggest it's all conferences, driven. The, the two biggest conferences that both have deals with ESPN don't want UC the to The Big be Ten's de- bigger deal is Fox. Yeah, but they still have a deal with ESPN that's bigger than anybody else's. I mean, of course, the Big Ten voices are shitting on Cincinnati. They don't want Cincinnati. Right now, Ohio State is fifth. 
Cincinnati is second. Of course they are. Right. I just don't think the committee will care. They didn't okay. care last year when they put three lost Florida in front of them. But Cincinnati was never making the playoff last year. And again, the reason they didn't make the playoff last year is my single biggest concern, more so than the committee. It's the names. The names last year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Cincinnati was never passing those four. Why do the names matter then? Shouldn't it be just the teams? The names, because the it's teams, money. The teams are name, the teams should be nameless. Because ESPN makes money off the deal. If right. ESPN feels like so why do they Cincinnati? Can, so why would the because I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. If if ESPN feels like Cincinnati drives ratings because we're going to let them in. We're going to let them in. Then they'll, they'll get behind Cincinnati. The problem is they don't feel like that is going to happen if the other names in contention are Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. That wouldn't happen regardless of who's there. If TCU, one lost TCU, if Wake Forest, if Oregon – or yeah, Oregon. One last Oregon's not getting in over undefeated Cincinnati. No fucking chance. I will no bet, fucking chance. I will bet you one million dollars. They lost to Stanford. Chad, it does. There is a mental perception that if it comes the, down to Cincinnati and Oregon for four, Cincinnati gets in. I pray to God you're right. I do not agree. Because look who's on the committee. Look who those people are. Look who they represent. Look at the 20, 30, 40 years of mental perception that they have of a group of five team versus even a Pac-12 team. The group of five hasn't even existed for a decade. They will say, well, they won at Ohio State. And they lost to Stanford. Yes, but it's the grind of playing a Power 5 team every single week. Like, I'm, I'm not telling you that's right. I'm telling you what they will say because they've said it for how many fucking years? I know. That, that they don't play this type of schedule every, every week, even though you look at all the metrics or whatever the hell you want to use, and those teams aren't any good. They're no different than SMU. They're no different than Houston. They're no different than UCF. They just happen to be. The problem is they're different than Tulane and Tulsa and Temple. Exactly. Exactly. I get it. I get that. I get that argument. I'm not saying that I that that's what I. This is clearly not because it's Stanford. If it was any like if it was a good team in the Pac-12, there are any good teams in the Pac-12. If it was, I'm talking record wise (laughs) or like perception wise, right? If they could explain it away, yeah, like if they lost to UCLA instead of Stanford. They could explain it away. I don't think you can explain away losing to Stanford. I don't. I don't think you can either, but they will. One million dollars. And that's, yes, one million (laughs) dollars. And that's why I hate this, like, I hate the whole system to be. It's an invitational. It's not a tournament. And why I don't, and why I try not to worry about what happens on Tuesday because it's all it's a joke man it is a joke they are not taking 
you want to say you take the best teams, then, then, then the best teams every year are Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Yeah, Alabama. Those are, the, Alabama. Those are the best teams every year. Just make a 16 tournament and have them play each other. Yeah. You don't need to play That's a season. The That's the frustrating. That's the frustrating. You're going to say it's the four best teams. Those are the four best teams every year. Yeah, like, there's six. There's six or seven best teams every year. Pick four of them and play the don't, fucking. Don't don't say that it's the four best teams because it's then it should just be the same teams every time because regardless right. of whether Alabama loses one game to Texas A&M or Ohio State loses one game to Oregon, they're still the best teams. Like top to not. bottom, top to bottom, they're still the best teams. But they're not because every every situation is different. Right. If but you replace that's not your quarterback. The way- but that's and not the, the way they. That's not the way they look at it. I know, I, but it's it's infuriating because winning and losing has to matter. Well, it has it to. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it has to. That's why I don't get mad because it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not bad at staying unmad. I like being mad. It makes me laugh when I'm mad. Like, tell me what happens at the end, and then if I see that there's like a truly been like. Like, here's, here's my scenario. Like, what if Alabama does beat Georgia in the Big 12 championship? Or in then the they're, they're both in. Period. Right. right. And Period. Say, say, regardless of what we think, Oklahoma goes undefeated. Then they're in. And Ohio State wins out. They're probably in. Do we re- – like, even if UC goes 13-0, do you really have, like – are you really mad that they're not getting into that situation? No, because what I said is right. Those are the teams that they're going to put in. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like so many things can still happen. Like, why am I going to get like, get hostile on a November? Because 2nd? it's the internet. This is what we do. We work on well, the internet. You, you do it more, more than me. <laughs> you do it just as much. You run the Bearcat journal account. You're not out of the mud. I like to you dig talk in shit all the I, time. I, I flop around a little bit. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not living it. No, you bathe in it. You don't live in it. You take mud baths. <laughs> I guess it's You're just not. like I don't have any level of confidence that this committee or any committee that they've shown for however many years will we'll do pick, the right thing. We'll do not not the right thing. Like I don't think. No, it's the right would, thing. Well, I'm going to play it more down the middle. I don't think necessarily like UC goes 13-0, it's the right thing to put them in. Like, I see shades of gray. I, I think it's the but, right but, thing. But I just don't have any faith that they will. Like, and that's the part that, that, if that above anything else is the part that makes me mad, is that you can have a generational, uh, uh, or whatever you want to call it, once in a school's history season, and the system and it, and it doesn't is, matter. And the system is set up that that team will will not even get a chance to see how they compare to teams that have won multiple multiple national championships and that are the best of the best year in and year out. You know what annoyed me a little bit about what what Ralph's opinion was his takeaway from UC, What's and that? this has kind of bothered me for a long time about this whole like as as Vic has built this thing. Uh, well, their second and third team linemen aren't as big as Alabama. Yeah, I don't. I mean, okay. Like, <laughs> what does that? What does that matter? 
Like the 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 47th guy on their roster isn't as good as the 47th guy on Alabama's roster. Yeah, we know that because they yeah. have, they recruit at a different level. They get like they get they get eight five stars a year. They have of five course, stars. the 40. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm I get annoyed a little bit by that that specific like. Well, their first their first 40 guys are as good as anybody in the country. But once but, you yeah, once you get to the guys that. That don't play. Once you get to the guys that don't play, Ohio State's better. No kidding, because they're not good good enough to play. So, (laughs) but that I mean, like, that's the thing too. Is like, it's just this these walls that can. I know it it makes us sound like whiny, whiny bitches. But like Rod Gilmore, the game Mm. Saturday, yeah. Kept at the end of the game, he kept talking about game control. That is not a thing. That is discussed inside the committee. Right. I know that a hundred percent for a fact. I don't know if it was a article. Um, it might have been Chris Vanini or somebody that did the mock thing. Like, yeah, said they do not talk about game control. It is not a thing. And yet he's sitting there for the whole fourth quarter talking about, you know, they're going to look back and go, they weren't. They, you know, the game got close. And how long were the game control and this, that, and the. I mean, it's just like. And then you have just, and that shapes what people think. Yeah. It's human nature. I get it. But and, and so we're going to have I'm, a lot of fun. I'm very excited. We're at, we're at two Tuesday. and a half hours. I won't be watching because I, I think it's dumb. But I hope everybody uh, enjoys looking at Gary Barter's terrible teeth. I mean, <laughs> the man is the athletic director of Iowa. You would think he could find an orthodontist and, and fix those things. <laughs> some Invisalign, bro. I mean, dude, you're making like 500 grand or more a year. Like, fix your damn teeth, man. You're going to be on TV two years in a row every Tuesday for like, you know, five, six weeks. Like, get those things in check. <laughs> All right. Kelly's come up to go to bed. But yes, I will uh, I'll be eagerly awaiting the tweets Tuesday night. Yeah, I, because, I the ba- because the Bachelor is on, or Bachelorette. Yeah, the Bachelor one. tweets. They're Bachelor. No, I think they're are they aren't. Is it a Bachelor, Bachelorette? Is it? It's a girl. Bachelor so in Paradise. Bachelor, okay, no, that's... Bachelor in Paradise ended a couple weeks ago. Now we're on no, the, I, the okay. Bachelorette. So I'll be watching that. If it's a girl, it's a Bachelorette. If it's a guy, we, it's a Bachelor. We, that's what we watch on Tuesday nights. Okay, I'll be watching. Pardon the punctuation. Maybe there'll be a guest appearance, maybe, depending maybe, on how. Maybe they'll have instant reacts from they will playoff starts, committee poll number one. They start at like nine fifteen, so uh, I'm guessing I'll probably be a part of that show at some point in time. Well, you have fun. Episode three hundred, two and a half hours. Ugh. See, don't two don't and ever half hours. Don't ever say I'm not a giver. <laughs> all right that's gonna wrap it up awesome show like one of our best much fun ralph d russo from the ap ralph d russo ap you can find him on twitter his uc story should be uh should be up tomorrow uh and then some guy named wes joined us for a little bit from his couch while he was watching Knicks and bulls on nba tv that's a basketball guy bro like when we like we paused for a second when Wes came in 
And the first thing he said was like, he had just gotten situated at his, at his house. He's like, I got to find a game on TV. Isn't Thursday night, a TNT game, nothing on ESPN, nothing on TNT. I got to find a basketball game to watch. That's a little look behind the scenes that you didn't get in the episode that, you know, am I wrong, Dave? No, no, that's a, that's a sick human. That's like, <laughs> I got, I got to find a basketball game to watch before I can get comfortable to do yeah. this podcast. So thanks to Wes. Thanks to Ralph. That was one of our best episodes too. Cause it was, it was a little, we had fun. It was a little contentious. We, we, we argued different sides. And I think that's always uh, better than just agreeing on everything. Yeah. You're probably going to, you're probably going to be right. I just, I, I just have to argue the opposite because it's bullshit. And well, they'll, they'll get, they'll get credit for being a crappy Penn state team. Saturday. Yeah, they will. Because they're, they're right. still because they're ranked. <laughs> yeah. Somehow still. Whatever. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you at the Holy Grail. 1130 on Saturday. Tony Pike and I with the pregame show. Watch party to follow. Watch the Bearcats. Take on Tulane. Hallow's Eve. Spooky. In one of the spookiest places on the planet, New Orleans. Yeah. Episode 300. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. We'll see you next week. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail on BearcatJournal.com.